This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Everybody, my name is James DeFiori, and this is Casual Friday. It's Friday. I love Friday. I just wrapped up an interview with a friend of the show, Karim Assad, and we talked about how the right and the left have a common disease called fucked upness, and how she gets abused from both sides of that political fence. So that was an interesting interview. You can go check it out on Spotify or Apple or YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And now. It is Casual Friday. What a week. Um, Just to recap a little bit of all the things that happened this week, uh, we got confirmation that Doug Ford is, in fact, a member of some sort of mafia crime family. Um, There's a whole bunch of reasons why that seems to be the case. Uh, We also... um, This is big to me anyways, and, and to some of my listeners and a lot of my friends. The Plymouth Brethren Christian Church have finally been the subject of mainstream coverage in the United States uh, for a land deal that they're attempting to uh, make with uh, a Chicago suburb called Barrington in Cook County, um, where uh, it was bought by the city in like 2003 for $3 million. And somehow they got the sweetheart deal, the the cult, uh, the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church, to buy it for $1.7 million and then try to claim tax-exempt status, even though they don't let any non-believers onto the compound where the cult gathers and talks about how we are all the tools of Satan. So that was really interesting. The hope is, uh, and I've been talking about this a lot with the Get Alive podcast people, uh, specifically Richard Marsh and uh, Cheryl Hope, that we, uh, and I've been talking to reporters from a couple of the outlets over there, just trying to give them background so that they understand exactly what they're dealing with here. It's not just some... Oh, it's a, just a closed-off religion. They're just group. They're fine. You know, the, 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 you guys know, the, the abuse and the corruption and the political ties and all this. Like, So hopefully that bubbles over. And then I was watching the Dean, Dean Blundell show, and um, it was a very informative show about things that get stuck in people's bums, and then they have to go to the hospital. And the first one that Dean and Lachlan talked about was... Uh, I thought it was one of those, I don't know tools, right? But I thought it was one of those big gigantic wrenches that have that thing that goes like this or this, depending how big the fucking bolt is and you got to whatever. But it was actually a, um, a, a, a doll um, <laughs> from, from Toy Story. So, you know, um, Rorschach, right? Those, those x-rays, they could be anything. So, um, but here to help me analyze all of these wonderful things is Dean Blundell, Spenny, and from the Eager Beaver podcast, Mr. Douglas Connors. 
Hello, gentlemen. Hi. Yeah, I can hear you. Hello, hello, hello. Is this thing on? Is this on? <laughs> yeah, I have to be upstairs. I got banished upstairs today because... Here, I'll put you upstairs. You my go. kids are watching a fucking movie downstairs. So here I am. Oh, what? Oh. Hey, on your recommendation, Dean, I started watching From. Awesome. It is great. I feel like it's going to piss me off, though, because I found out that it's the same people who created Lost, and i never been more mad at a show in my life than I, than I was with uh, that show. Right? Yeah. Never watched right. an episode. Yeah. Would never watch an episode of that show. That show just based on premise alone sounded stupid to me. I just couldn't watch it. Well, I didn't research it before I got it, and it hooks you in pretty quickly, right? Same and then, here. Like, what is it going to be? And then it's like, oh, it's just fucking stupid. What was it? <laughs> right? It was like a show where uh, people were on a plane, and the plane got lost, and then all of a sudden, one day, it was an experiment. That was the whole fucking idea behind the thing. Okay. I don't even. I think I blocked it out. Douglas, I, you can take over from here. There was some <laughs> experiment going up where they were, but I think there was like one season where all of a sudden, like there was, there was, there was this weird special effect where that world collapsed upon itself or something like that, and then they were like the, the, the whole story like completely changed. And I was like, yeah. "What? The, the, this sucks. in that season, you can see Fonzie jumping over a Shark so Tank in the background." Happy. Yeah. yeah an episode i'm so fucking happy just based on what douglas is saying, telling me right now yeah and i stopped watching there i didn't watch the last season i was like what the hell what just happened here i mean i invested like two or three years watching and then that now yeah. it's like all You'll that never is get that time back like, you should fuck? be angry you and you couldn't even binge watch it you, you couldn't even binge watch it you had to no. watch it once a week and it was just that seems so archaic now that's like like trying to figure out your taxes with an abacus it doesn't I make any sense that though Oh. I missed the looking forward to next week. <laughs> Douglas Connors, uh, romantic so about the abacus. Go ahead. Doug. No, no, not the abacus. The TV shows. The, 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 there's, there's something that we've lost with having like 5,000 channels. And I mean, we gain a lot. I mean, we can do this, right? But that one show that almost everybody watches. And then when you go in the office on Monday, you're all talking about it or something. That doesn't seem to exist really anymore now. Um, Dean, do you know how much oh, money you've saved me? And then we'll get to you, Spenny. Um, but do, do, do you know how much money you saved me by telling me to go to that one site two years ago? I got rid of Disney. I got rid of Netflix. I got rid of Prime. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. just go there. And I don't I want to tell anyone because I don't want anyone else to know. I'm proud you of you. Disney? Yeah. Big mistake. No, dude. Okay. So here's the thing, Spen. I stream everything illegally. Everything. Okay. So um, you're a yeah. Satan. You just admit well, it right there. Exactly. And this We're is not why, Metallica but- fans. Like, I will, you're going to get mad at me. I have streamed Kenny versus Spenny. And I didn't get any money? None. Buy me dinner. I will. I'm happy to. <laughs> I'm happy to. I'm going to come and host something. But I want to know how that makes you feel that how you're talking you about that. Well, it's, it's interesting because, uh, not to belabor it, but it was a huge uh, thing that happened on Kenny versus Spenny because Kenny grabbed, as Kenny would do, all of the uh, master masters of the show. And then he put it on YouTube under his name, and it pissed me off. And his <laughs> argument, and his 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 argument was, "What are you talking about? It keeps us relevant." And, and he might be right, to be honest with you. But uh, like Willie Nelson said, "Never be too hip for the money." I mean, it's stealing. Let's be honest; it's intellectual yeah. property. Uh, but everybody does it. I mean, I used to do it when we were growing up, didn't you? Uh, I'm older than probably all of you uh, put together. Oh, for sure. We used to buy cassette tapes and borrow friends' albums and tape them. It's the same thing. Oh, fuck yeah. I used to love doing that all the time. You get the tape out and you put the tape on top of the yeah. tabs. You guys yeah. remember that? And then you'd record like a mixtape. Um, no. And it was always for a girl. And the songs were always like terrible. No. Nope. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
no, I, 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 I struggle with that because like, I love people getting paid for their work, right? We're, we're in that business at the same not, time. Not necessarily. <laughs> except, except when it interferes with your viewing pleasure. You know, there's that difference, though, Spenny, between the people that get downloaded that already make some money from that creative work and then other people who don't make shit. So yeah. the guys yeah, don't, that don't make shit, we're like Hollywood. promoted. You know, Look I've never been in Hollywood. Well, let, let's I, be first honest. First of all, we worked on with the South Park guys. They were yeah. the last. When I first started in television, you could do a contract and negotiate your digital rights because mm-hmm. nobody knew what the hell they were. <laughs> they really right. didn't. And they didn't certainly didn't know they'd be valuable. The South Park guys said one of the best uh, entertainment attorneys in all of Los Angeles. And they're probably the last uh, show that ever where they retain the, their digital rights. And nobody in their families will have to work uh, ever again. Seth MacFarlane that- made a sim- similar deal. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's get into the deal here. How how rich are we talking? Oh, Matt and Trey? Yeah. Oh, oh they must be rolling that. Hundreds of millions, probably. Yeah. yeah. And and by, by the way, when we first started working with them, they weren't making that much money. They were just on Comedy Central. Right. And I remember going out with Matt, and he was so upset that he would go to, like, Courtney Cox's house because they knew all the celebrities. And they were hugely wealthy. And, of course, they think that that show is garbage and they don't write it they're just fucking actors and they're making all this fucking money and uh wait a second yeah. they they don't like south park matt and trey parker no no they don't like their friends oh oh right right they, yeah yeah good my, my good thing with them the first time i met them i was completely drunk i have to say that and i got into a verbal altercation with them because they dissed shocked. they dissed uh uh, what's the uh, Ray Romano? What uh, what's that show? Everyone loves everybody Raymond. loves Raymond. Everybody yeah. loves Raymond. Funny that I would be arguing for it because I'd only seen one episode. It was an <laughs> Emmy, an Emmy tape, the one where the mom. Uh, did you get all emotional too? You got all emotional about it too. Didn't He's you? misunderstood. Damn it! No, no. But the, did you see that episode? It was brilliant. The mom takes a a, a class. You know, Ray's mom, and she unveils her 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 year project, and it's this sculpture that looks vaguely like a vagina <laughs> it's and you know it's it's family tv so they have to d- cleverly dance around the dirtiness of it but at one point peter boyle who was by the way john lennon's best man at his wedding people don't know that uh peter boyle the, the husband keeps looking at it the whole show and scratching his head going i've seen that thing somewhere <laughs> genius uh, but yeah. anyway they're snobs i i don't care like they're snobs. And I think if I read something correctly, I, I I'm I'm pulling the number out of my ass, but it was a I won't even pull out a number. But they made a fortune off of uh, the Book of Mormon, yeah. like oh so yeah. much money, like a hundred million. I think I'm, I'm remembering correctly or something. Like it just Matt, lasted for. Matt, yeah. Last time I was in New York, Kenny went to see Matt. Matt does. They don't like me because I'm such an idiot. But uh, uh, Matt lives in like a fucking office building he bought in Manhattan. Well, like wow. a four-story office building. It's unbelievable. And they're great, but they're snobs. And uh, I didn't like that because just like we talked before we came on the air, uh, James said, you know, I-, I wish you liked rap music. And I don't like rap music, but I don't hate it. <laughs> it's just, I just don't like it. It, it, it. They they sell millions of records. They've changed the culture. It's obviously great. Yeah. But those guys aren't like that. They're just like, that sucks. Everybody's lame. <laughs> You know, I hate that. Oh, they're judgmental. They're judgmental elitists. Yeah. That's what they I are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
in a way they are. But what they did when they took acid and went uh, in gowns to the Academy Awards was one of the greatest things in the history of. Yeah. Anytime you add acid to someone famous going somewhere, it's always good. There was uh, there's a bunch of different ones. No, really, there's a. Uh, uh, Hunter has no, not Hunter has talked. Matt Taibbi went to the Republican National Convention in like 1994 or something on like really high grade LSD, and he said and he wrote about it for Rolling Stone. And you know why you like said that? You why that slipped because Hunter Thompson in, in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas goes to the cops that, con- sheriff's convention. Well, not only that, but Matt Taibbi actually has the exact same job that Hunter Thompson used to have at Rolling Stone when right. he worked at Rolling Stone. Yeah. So. Yeah. So he was probably being like, got to be like, got to pay tribute to the man. I I have been to various places on acid. One of the places I've been to on acid was my first day of high school. I (laughs) took acid. Sounds about right. Seriously? Graduated grade eight. Summertime came, started experimenting with drugs and everything. And I didn't do acid. But the first time it was, oh yeah, that's another thing. It was the first time I ever did acid. And I just, and it was the first day of high school. So I thought the two, I thought it was kind of poetic because I was stupid. And I went to school and me and Mike Lafreniere did it. And uh, Lafreniere had to leave like after first period. He just left. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. Like I was just sitting there like, and this I, is shop class. Shop class is amazing. And it's just like, we're all sitting there not doing anything. Do you guys anything. know uh, Michael Budman from Roots? I uh, knew his yeah, executive yeah. assistant. The guy with the massive fucking eyebrows, that yes. guy? Yes. Yeah. Answers the door naked. They had the Roots airline. I thought the front of the plane what? should have the massive eyebrows on it. As if we could do it. But um, I went on acid, the best the best acid I probably ever did, uh, with his father, Al Budman, who is like a, an old-time Jew from fucking Chicago. And me and Jimmy Budman, his younger brother, or his older brother, uh, went to see foul play on acid in Westwood. Uh, with his father and Jimmy and I were so high. And do you remember the scene with Kojak bang, bang Kojak, <laughs> when the guy's in the limousine, <laughs> we laughed so hard and, and that his father was going, I don't know what's the matter with my son. I don't know what's the matter with them. And we had to leave the theater because we couldn't, I almost didn't piss my pants. <laughs> I've got great acid stories, but I don't recommend anybody does. I, I, the- <laughs> Acid, except for all conservatives, dude. I've had you on the podcast like a fucking thousand times, and I've asked you a thousand drug stories. You've never gotten this specific about doing drugs. Oh, welcome to Casual Friday. This is this is a regular segment for Spenny on this show. Look, uh, you know, uh, the acid. I I can tell you some great stories. Please, uh, I went to see Beetle uh, Beetlemania. It was called at the old O'Keefe Center. You got to put me on with everybody. I get very self. <laughs> yes. And uh, and I I, I took a double barrel purple microdot acid, two hits of it. Okay, and back then the acid in Toronto was. That's how I know awful. you fucking love acid. Is that you have like specific names for it? And you I remember know- that acid. Purple microdot, right? And it was like yeah. strychnine. It was absolute poison, <laughs> but you would get fucking high. You did. And yeah. we went to uh, Beatlemania with my buddy Elliot Horowitz. And uh, the second act started with the psychedelic era and they had transparent scenes and we were peaking and I almost lost my mind, ended up back at home. A girl had broken into my house that I knew and I I had a bad trip. I had a bad trip. I couldn't talk. That alone. What? The break-in alone would be like, holy fuck, what is happening? Like, no, holy no, shit, I, they're yeah, bad. Yeah, that was weird. But uh, honestly, I, it, it's a dangerous drug, and I know oh. 
this why is, you got to ruin the story i'm sorry it is uh <laughs> i i fucking couldn't talk man i watched when, when you <laughs> i had to watch a test pattern on the television just to fucking have any just ground to zone out <laughs> I, I i have a if i may uh, an acid story um uh, and by the way you, as it is bad for you when as it is bad for you when it was microdots because you're right it was like rat poison basically like it was stupid but nowadays if you know where to get it so i know this person who once a year or something they go to they were all colleagues at stanford and they and they all go to like this cottage or something and one of them is a chemist and he brings with him the acid that he made <laughs> while at stanford right and they all trip out for like a weekend or something like that so this person sends me um i'm like can you send me some of that shit right like, like that would be amazing uh this was just like four years ago um and the my my family went away and uh it finally comes in the mail and it's three blotters and i cut the three and a half and take one and a half as soon as i get it, i put it under my tongue i sit down i'm like i'm like ready to thank the person and i'm like hey how you doing she's like hey did it come yet i'm like yes it did and and she's like okay just before you do anything just make sure you just you only take half a hit like it's fucking ridiculous and i'm like oh <laughs> i just swallowed it a hit and a half and i can't tell you it was like doing acid for the very first time even though i've done it uh dozens of times if you if i i would flick my counter and hallucinate sparks sliding across the counter and stuff like, like that it was it was like interactive trip i got busted man i i went to court for acid Oh, where? You can't do it of acid that I swear to God I was holding for my friend. It wasn't mine. <laughs> the first time in history to be crazy, actually holding That's it. the truth. And I got off. I got an honorable discharge because I don't think the the acid quality was any good. So they, I I thought I was going to tell the parents. I didn't tell my parents. I just I took this girl Abby Abby Canton to Old City Hall and I went to court. It was bad because every case before me was like. A uh, gram of hash, you know, uh, a joint or two, and then Spencer Rice, three hundred shots of the lacinamide, bigger than my level. They call it. I thought this is it. I'm fucking dead. That's <laughs> a it. tribute. It um, wasn't my acid, and it really wasn't good acid because it was so bad that they didn't even charge me. But I, I, I was so scared. Was oh, you got it was fake acid. That's why you got off. You're 17 years old. What? It was fake acid, and that's why you got I don't off. Know. It, I, all I know is uh, I didn't tell anyone, so no one could fix it for me. And <laughs> they talk when you're in court, if you guys know. they The lawyers talk. You have no idea what they're talking about. Family court, it's all fucking gibberish to me. And it was like I looked. I didn't have a lawyer, nothing. And they just said, you can go. So I left. Yeah, as someone who has been um, at certain times in my life when I was younger uh, in various arrested. courts. Arrested. <laughs> put in a drunk tank, put in the bullpen, court appearances, all that. My only conviction in my entire life was when I was 15. And there's so many ironies that I won't get into about this, but I got caught shoplifting a Father's Day gift for my dad, which is just the most poetic thing that could have ever happened in that moment of getting something for my dad. It's like the universe is like, why are you getting that man a present? <laughs> Here you go. You're getting The arrested. only time I got busted, but I didn't get in trouble. <laughs> Is it a record store? And I remember this. I stole a Fat Albers in the Cosby Kid. <laughs> That's when you were tripping out on those double young. barrels. You that, were that, too young, so the owner didn't call the cops. But they made me tell my parents, and my parents flipped out. They made me apologize and pay them back and all this shit. <clears throat> Douglas, what's your favorite drug story? Go. <laughs> my favorite drug story. Um, uh, South Africa corrupted me. 
Oh, go on. Yep. Uh, I was uh, pretty square and very, 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 very straight edge. Uh, and uh, went a peyote to... story, isn't it? Peyote. You're gonna talk no, no, so. no, 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 no. I went to South Africa in uh, July 2000 for the International AIDS Conference there and uh, met up with a whole bunch of people. I was there and some of them were staying in South Africa and they were part of the organizing committee. And I had two extra days uh, after the conference, conference was over. So I stayed with them. Um, so uh, one night we're smoking a joint and uh, this was before I was a regular smoker. So I hadn't had a joint in Lord knows how long. Um, so we're sitting on a sofa and we're watching the Miss South Africa pageant for some reason. <laughs> and I've got my head on uh, some guy's lap. And at one point he just like shifts his knee just a little bit. And my whole world goes, maybe it wasn't his knee what the hell is in this thing because they called it durban poison so so there it was spiked the weed was spiked with something no 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 they just called it durban poison the type of like you know kush or whatever like this this one was called durban poison that was the strain yeah 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 but whatever it was it's like i was like whoa boy wow wow so that that night they turn around and they say, okay, you got one more night here. Yeah. It says, okay, we're going to a club and you're doing E. And I'm thinking, oh, hell no, I'm not doing E. You did like, E. I'm not doing E. And I said, yeah, yeah, you're doing E. And it's like, no. And I was like, I like asked like every single question in the book. I think I like, like for five hours. Okay. What does it feel like? What do you do? What happens if this happens? What happens if that happens? What oh, are no. you not supposed to mix it with? What are you? <laughs> and just all that. No. I'm just like, what? Right. If that was me that you were talking to, I would just, I, I, it would take like seven seconds and you'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Just eat it. Just down, go down, down, down. So you'll yeah. never yeah. comment. You'll end up with scabs on your penis. That's <laughs> so, um, she's uh, greater porn. Go ahead. Yeah. So I, 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 everybody was like saying how they did it. And I took like half of that amount and they told me what was going to happen. And I was sitting there and I was waiting for it like this and it wasn't happening so so i I took i started with a quarter and then i took another quarter and nothing was happening once you put it in you can't take it out no so (laughs) i figured that's true in a lot of this was my first time so it's like i was just sitting there i guess and everybody told me what was going to be happening right like you know i said sean's going to be like dancing like this rufus is going to be going up to everybody going hey how you doing how you doing i guess i'm going to be sitting here just like Right. And sure enough, everybody's doing that, right? Yes. And then I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, like, nothing's happened yet. Right? So I go up to Steve again and I say, like, okay, well, it's like I've taken half and nothing's happened. So like you got the other half and it's like, nope, it's all gone. So no problem. I'm sitting there like this. Little do I know that for the last two hours and a half, I was like, Right up there with Sean. Right? <laughs> <laughs> just grooving. So, like, so they say you're supposed to drink something sweet at some time every now and then. That's what they Lots were told me. You got to get your sugar a little bit. Make sure you have some sugar, get some water, and all that kind of stuff. Even if you, you know, you feel like you don't have to go to pee, go go to the bathroom every two hours. Just yeah. so I'm doing all that stuff. I'm following. I'm ticking all the boxes to the no left. No wonder you didn't think you were high. 
Exactly. Make sure you do this. Make sure you do that. But I'm doing that, right? You have to understand, I'm a bit of a rule follower here. So, you know, so this, I'm way out of my territory right here. So, uh, Steve's got this lollipop at one point, and he goes, You want some? I go, Sure. Is this, so, is this a metaphor to me? Like this, I give it back to him and like this. And then all of a sudden we're there and, and then all of a sudden the lollipop goes and there's like, ah, and it's kissing. And it's not like, no, it's more like, <laughs> right. That's and it was probably about like 35 seconds, but it felt like five minutes. Right. And then it was like, it's like, what the hell was that? <laughs> you got to do the vapor rub. You go to LA clubs. Everybody's got the vapor rub sticks. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's like the, it's like a poor it's like a poor man's poppers. Is the, yeah. is the vapor well, that rub, was my right? that yeah. was my no, first. It's, just, it's, a, it's the uh, what's it called that uh, it's in saunas sometimes in spas. I don't know. Yeah. It's like eucalyptus. The, eucalyptus. Yeah, but that feels incredible when you're on that drug. Well, Not that well, I see. That was the first, <laughs> the first, the very very first time I did anything remotely rave was back in 1995. I was a swimmer and there was a, a big event called Igla in Montreal and with our package. So it was like the world championships, gay and lesbian swim championships, I guess. And we got a ticket to the black and blue at Montreal stadium, which black and blue yeah. was like on the circuit that, you know, you had the white party you had the black party, the black and blue. It was like one of the big ones. And, and this was like way before I was five years before South Africa. So I was super square. So I go into there like, and dancing's my drug. I love it. And I'm sitting there and it's like, okay, it's only music. There are no words. There's nothing to sing to. And the whole place smells like Vicks Vaporub. I really did not get it. I lasted there an hour and a half and I just went home. I said, this sucks. Can I, can I, Doug, can I have your permission to just do one uh, gay swimming joke? Because Oh, those, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Do the, is that how they do the front crawl? <laughs> In my stash of swimming competition t-shirts, I have one from the competition for the team from Ann Arbor. They're yeah. A, A square QA, Q-U-A, Ann Arbor Queer Aquatics. And on the back, it says, we can't even swim straight. <laughs> That's good. Is there, is, is there a, a sort of unexplained um, aversion for gay men to be doing breaststroke? <laughs> no, actually, we're, not bad. Not bad. Actually, we're actually we're surprisingly good at it. However, I kept on getting disqualified on the breaststroke portion of the IM. So I only look at that style. I, I only look at that style of swim as a friend. <laughs> there has to be a backstroke oh, yeah. joke, but I'm not going to do it. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, oh, Dean. Before no, I, get, I want you to get to if you have a drugstore. I don't know if you do or not, but I just want to let you know that the first time I met Dean. I was surprised to find out that his sleeping uh, ingredient list was basically 3,000 milligrams of weed, edibles, and like 2,500 milligrams of melatonin. And it was no. awesome. No. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't two. That. No. no, that's, that's, I don't really have a drug story. I've got an alcohol story and lots of them. Alcohol's a drug. <laughs> that counts. Oh, yeah, that counts. Damn no, I, uh, I, I don't have. Uh, I got a sleep routine, dude. I share my sleep routine with everybody. If you, anybody fucking wants a sleep routine, needs a sleep routine, I have a great sleep routine for everybody. What I do is I smoke a joint, and after I smoke a joint or bowl, I take two melatonin, ten milligrams. That's it, not twenty five hundred. You can blow it up and make. I was just trying to make like the story sound sexy. Myself at night, yeah. but it's like two melatonin. Like hands up if you love sleep at the age of fifty. Right oh, here, yeah. I'm fifty. I fucking live for it. Like, I'm really excited to get off this podcast because I took two milligrams <laughs> minutes ago, maybe 15 minutes ago. That's how fucking much I love sleep. 
that's the truth. It's got nothing to do with you. Listen, so, I know it doesn't. I was just trying to be facetious for the sake of the funny. That's all. I know. Yeah. And I turned it around on you because I'm a master talker. So there you go. Yeah, but I, I can make you little. Before. I can make you little. You can do. I can just get on. Um, Thank you for inviting me to your party. I'm going to tell you how much I want to get out of here. Listen, I know, Dean. I, Dean, I know that you're like the busiest guy on the planet. And also, I don't really see you making a daily bucket list on going on yet another podcast. So that's, yeah. you know, I understand. This is No, I had a nice break, though. I needed a break. Like I'll uh, I'll tell you that I needed a um, a mental health break from podcasting because um, and I was told to by a certified professional um, because uh, the the literally the pandemic and the convoy like literally wrecked me like like destroyed my brain to the point where like the podcasting and all the shit that happened during the like that not a lot of people know of but like the police and all the death threats and shit like i yeah. needed a fucking i had to hit the fuck pause button over the summer and just kind of dive into some other business but um yeah i'm i'm no i'm happy to be here i know i know douglas is mocking me going oh great party thanks for letting me be here i want to get out my but i can tell you douglas is correct um, and it's, it's not, it's, it's got nothing to do with you. Uh, it's got everything to do with, I've already dosed myself on melatonin and, and I'm getting ready to smoke a joint. That's it. Like Spenny understands it, right? Spenny, I totally understand. I'm way ahead of you in the uh, sleep. You ever done Ambien? No, I heard it's awesome though, it's but it's like a chemical, so I can't do it. In the history of everything. That's okay. All. But like, are, are you tired after Ambien? No, no that's the you I used to have a guy, Stevie Ray, a buddy of mine, he had a prescription and I, I, I take as many as I could possibly take. And, you know, one or two a night and it's just the best sleep. You wake up uh, revitalized. It's a wonderful thing. But, uh, you know, drugs are a dead end. Yeah. Why do you I always end your, your good stories with like a PSA message? Like Because, because I don't <laughs> want something cool. Hang on. You know what you just did? You just were like, because you've, you've done so many drugs and like... I who you like just, you've done all the drugs. You've done them not all. all of them. Not all of them, but a lot of them. I did peyote. Uh, threw up and got I've done peyote. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Is that ayahuasca? Have you done ayahuasca? No, I don't want to. Though. It, so I don't know. I because that, because I know that like one out of every eight people that do the proper ayahuasca trip with the shaman and sometimes the re, the ayahuasca resort or whatever, like one out of eight people just have the shits for two days. And I'm just like, I'm not taking that risk. I am not taking that fucking risk ever that's not good odds that's lightning. yeah $2,500 I want to just compliment Dean on something because this yeah. is this is classic what I think about life watching television sleeping are absolute pleasures I, I have no apologies to make about that so you have to have a nice comfy bed you got to yeah. love your pillow you got to love the person you're with yeah all that stuff but I got to tell you man uh, it, it's it, it's smart to, to enjoy sleep and to have a system or routine because totally. you spend half your life doing it or you know what three quarters of your life doing it you might as well enjoy it and i like dreaming and you i fucking love dreaming and here's the other thing um it's the one thing did you guys know this that everybody can get better at to affect their mental health it's the one absolutely. thing you can physical and mental absolutely absolutely yeah 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 very important like i sleep like eight nine hours a night i'm like and I was like, I was in asleep at nine o'clock last night. I was up at four o'clock this morning going, well, I best you get, get started on some work. Like I was all bright eyed and bushy tailed. You know who doesn't sleep, Dean? You know who doesn't who, sleep? Donald me. Trump. I, 
That's Done. what happens when you don't sleep. Yep. Okay. I don't so- sleep. I sleep like four or five hours maximum at night. Usually between Donald midnight. Trump and James between midnight and five. Um, but I've noticed that I, I'm, I've been napping lately for like one or two hours during the day. Um, two hours I, is not a nap, my friend. Well, whatever. Like, I, listen, I understand. Dean, I know you're right. I know that uh, clinically and, uh, you know, experts, all of them will say that exactly what you said, um, that, that, they are, that that is super important for your mental health. I, I'm, I've been sort of trying, but I don't want to use anything. Actually, melatonin gave me six hours last week but i didn't do any week because i don't want to do any weed or anything at all anymore um you know i just want to see what it's like to just live spring water in my blood for the next six months and uh you know it's one of those things but yeah uh dean just left he's falling asleep <laughs> yeah he's falling asleep he's, dean's like are you done telling your story yet <laughs> no 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 i just popped out because my phone's all fucked up um okay. no 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 but uh listen as as uh as great as that is it's a it's fucking it's it's what i love to do i love to sleep yeah. and, and you're right donald trump the opposite of me hates some sleep i fucking hope and this is going to be a great week by the way because i think he's got more charges coming this week that's what i heard today can you imagine living like that like there's two things that i fucking love I love sleep and I love not having anxiety or stress. Can you imagine fucking like, I cannot, like, I, I, I don't know how I, I you almost, have to respect respect it, though. almost yeah. yeah, that's like, I'm sick that I say it, but I, I fucking respect what he's made of. Like hundred percent, but he's a coward. I don't think he's a brave guy. But he can handle stress. There's no question about it. I, you oh, know, yeah. not, not not for nothing. Not for nothing. But honestly, the guy is either. I feel like he's either going to become president again or be killed. I don't. I don't think for Donald Trump, there's much room in the middle of that because I saw the ad that it came out today, and do I think it's great? Not really. Um, but the drama behind it and how it's going to appeal to his base, where he's like the last fight of them all. Yeah, you know that kind of shit, and it's like. Holy fuck. Like, I saw that ad, and I'm like, if he goes against Biden, he's winning. He's no. winning the election. Yes, no he is. At no some way. point, Dean, you're, or, or, or anybody in, on this thing, we, you have to do a thing about the entertainment value of, of the Trump years. Because if you oh. don't talk about that, you, you're missing a huge part of his I appeal. mean, the Stormy oh. Daniels mushroom dick stuff. Uh, he doesn't have a mushroom dick, ever. though. Don't we all kind of have mushroom dicks? Everything about it. His wife, who's like a a nude model, swimsuit model. Um, Like, I mean, you know, fuck everything. Michael Cohen going to jail, ratting him out. And fucking Rudy Giuliani's like his fucking face melting. And like, you know, everything. Rockery, Russians. It's the best fucking story on the planet. And I get so sick of talking about it. But I can't take my eyes off it. Like that's it's like so, so honest. You're incredible. That's so honest. I appreciate that. And by the way, his at least his state trials are going to be televised. <laughs> are they and really? screened? Yeah. For those yeah, who don't have cable, I just said they're going to watch that. Who's going to watch that? You're going to watch the state. Oh, am I going to watch it? I'm going <laughs> yeah. to. That's the return on. In- it's going to be that's- on YouTube. Yes, I'm going to. I'm that's gonna have alerts. On investment. We spent the last six freaking years tolerating this dickhead. This is well, the part we bought the popcorn for. Yes, yes, I want every single second of it. I'll arrange my days around it. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm, yeah. I'm collecting the dividends, man. I waited six years. This is my GIC cashing in, man. 
Uh, Douglas, <laughs> I also have a retirement plan for you. Don't forget, you're going to be the greatest uh, Saddam Hussein impersonator of all time. We have a clip from his screen test. Here it is, right here. Stop singing this song because I'm high. I'm singing this whole thing wrong because I'm high. And if I don't sell one copy, I don't know why. Why, man? Because I'm high. Because I'm high. Because I'm high. Are you like. Now, come on. Come on, Don't be like that. It is your face. And it does look like Saddam Hussein. When you have a beard, I'm sorry, but if you got like a professional costume person and a makeup person and they saw you and you'd be like, yeah, I'm going to impersonate. And they're like, yeah, Saddam Hussein, clearly. Yeah. Young okay. Saddam. Yeah. yeah. Young Saddam. Bearded Young Saddam. Saddam. Well, the- I, I worked with that guy. Who sang that song? What's his name? Africa. Afro-Man. Uh, Afro-Man. I Did just you see them when he punched out that girl on stage, though? That was crazy. Yeah. A girl rushed the stage, and he literally, like, Tysoned her. He didn't see her, though. If you watch it closely, he just didn't even see who it was or if it was a woman or a man. She just He just plowed off and Yeah, I don't know if I believe that. I, <laughs> I think Afferman may have punched a couple she, women in his life. She walked away, which is incredible, because that was quite the show. Have you seen that? I've seen just the uh, clip, uh, but I haven't seen the – was there something else that we were referring to? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the clip is crazy. Yeah. I don't know if you – Douglas, if you YouTube it or whatever, like – Maybe we'll uh, figure out if you like share just your screen. Man punch. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, because he it's was like... Nice. He was a nice guy. He was, uh, it was a weed festival. I played music. He, he, he was the headliner. He was, he, was, he was cool. He had this big, like, zebra skin suit on. Like, fake zebra. <laughs> um, by the way, good not for nothing. Well, Douglas, while you look for that, um, Kareem Asad is being uh, harassed on an ongoing basis by this man who I playfully referred to as... Willie Nelson's bastard. Um, <laughs> this is him right here. He looks like Gallagher if he was in ZZ Pop. <laughs> oh my he's, God. He's Willie Nelson's bastard. This is like probably, he's probably like 60, right? Willie Nelson's what, 90? He's like it 90 checks out. I bet you he played at the Elma Combo like in like, you know, 19 fucking 67 or something, right? I bet you that happened. I saw Willie in Kingston uh, seven years ago, eight years ago, something like that. Willie Nelson's great. Would there be a Neil Young without a Willie Nelson? Probably actually, Ooh. he's old too. Never mind. Yeah, that <laughs> was weird. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to save you and come up with some lunatic connection, but I don't get that at all. Yeah, sorry, I don't get it. Uh, um, one thing I heard about uh, uh, Neil Young was that he used to get the shit kicked out of him because he was such a major hippie, right? And uh, really, know, the, the, yeah, the right wing people uh, didn't like him at all. Well, you, the southern people didn't, as you know. Southern man, uh, he wrote that song, and then Leonard Skinnerd. Southern man don't want him around anyhow. Hope Neil Young will remember. Okay, so we have the Afro Man punch here. So let me okay, see. Can I talk about Karima for just a sec? Well, I, can, I, we I, do, I, can we do the Afro Man punch and just get that out of the way so we oh, don't yeah, stop yeah, yeah, on yeah, the yeah. Karima story? Let's just get this out of the way. All right, here we go. Okay, Spenny, I don't, I don't believe that he didn't know what he did, and you want to know what the giveaway well, was? He didn't know what he did. He didn't. If you, I don't see him seeing her, I, but I, listen, unless he's Ray, unless all of a sudden he's Ray Charles, 
he decked her. I think he probably saw her there. But you know how you know? Because he must have seen that it was a chick when he looked down at the mangled face that he just punched and just went like this. Meh. And just kept oh, playing. Nah, I'm, not, <laughs> you know? I'm not defending it. Like you, if you're I'm a guy that does, isn't used to doing that, you go down and be like, holy fuck, I just hit you. I'm so sorry. But he's just like, meh. <laughs> you know? Uh, I look up I Keith Richards' attack. Keith Richards' attack. It's about two seconds long. Since we're since the show is is tail diving into violence, on uh, here's a casual uh, casual Friday uh, trivia. Here's a casual Friday trivia. Um, my friend, one of my best friends, who's been on this show, Dave Wishart, a guy with the wears the cowboy hat. His dad was the arresting officer when Keith Richards got busted in Toronto in like whatever yes, that was, 1967. Yes, uh, Castle Hilton. Do you know what he told? Yeah, it, and and it was funny. I was like, whatever happened with those charges? You know how the charges went away? They played a show at the Elma Combo. No. That was you're it. Wrong. You're wrong. N- no. I'll tell you that. No, you're close, but you're wrong. It was oh. in Oshawa because I was at both shows. Oh, was, there was two shows? Must One was the Elma Combo, though, wasn't it? No. No, the Elma Combo, they recorded uh, a live uh, uh, concert there, which was the third side of Love You Live, uh, which okay. was their live album. Uh, but uh, what happened was, uh, well, at least what Keith says when I read his book was that a, a, a woman knew the judge who was blind and convinced the, the judge not to, he thought he was going to prison. Like it was, it was a real, he also beat up a woman allegedly. Oh, whatever. It's, you know, <laughs> Listen, you know, Spenny, you should change your name to Afro man. Whatever. Hit a woman. No, I don't mean it that way. I'm just saying like, you know, there's no shortage of bad behavior in humanity. I mean, you know, I don't, I've never heard that story. I know quite a bit about Keith, but you know, anything's possible. Well, Jimmy I don't know if Keith Richards is going to include I beat up a woman and look how my celebrity got me off these charges. Like I know, uh, but I don't, I'm not necessarily saying he would say it, but it would be a kind of story. I'm not saying it's not true. Mm. I mean, Jimi Hendrix uh, used to beat up women. Yeah, I mean, it's such- terrible things, but I, to me, it's I'm, I like him because of his music and his songwriting uh, and, and, you know, all that stuff. And Woody Allen, I, at the end of the day, I'm I actually artist. don't believe that Woody Allen did anything. I, I, don't, I don't either. But yeah, I believe the guy. other side in that in that argument, because the other side, the, the evidence is just more compelling. And the evidence just seems like, you know. There's a lot to that story that you have to really, really, really kind of look at, and it's, I know everything about that story. Yeah, and there's a I good documentary, believe- and there was a there was a good. Um, uh, his son, his son uh, that he adopted with Mia as a lawyer now, who was yeah. there the night, the day that's supposed to be happened, where he they apparently molested uh, Dylan uh, in a uh, crawl space, like an attic crawl space, something. Yeah. yeah. It, it, you know, who at the end of the day, who really knows? Uh, but I think you're right. I think I, the New York. See what happened to New York police, New York State Family Services, and two other uh, major, uh, you know, judicial things looked at the case and they threw it out. So the people who don't believe twice, it, who do believe he did it, said it's oh, it's because he's the king of New York. He's Woody Allen. He's an American icon. They just let it go. But I don't. You know, I don't know. We just don't know. But I, I agree with you. I don't think he did it. And yeah. if you read this, it's a two-page or three-page uh, piece that he wrote. For the I Sun. wrote that. I read that. Yeah. yeah. And it was he. He mentioned something like, um, and this all this happens when when people lie. I'm not. I don't want this to turn into like when when women falsely accuse. I'm just saying when people lie, often what the tells become and the and the evidence that works against them is that uh, human beings will create out of thin air a detail that really is kind of nothing to do with the thing. And that detail will be proven to be false. So there's, there's a whole bunch of examples. There's um, Amber Heard, 
when she was on the stand um a lot of people and and again speculate you know that's that's what this is a speculation but it, uh, like 80 percent of people were like oh that portion is certainly like because she was like um she said she was hit by johnny depp and she fell on the carpet and she was like and then i was just thinking that this is the first time i noticed that the carpet was dirty and i just kept staring at the carpet and i was just like where what <laughs> where are you going with this and i thought after learning about that as much as i could i just thought they were both idiots to be honest with you. they both seemed like completely you know yeah you know, i'm sure he was violent i don't know whether he hit her uh i think she was definitely trying to make him look bad obviously with all the filming that she was doing it's just my opinion i think that i think that you feel not to not to put context into your brain but i think that the reason why you feel that way is because um it was it's it's weird and kind of a juxtaposition to see a man as the physically abused one like and also if if johnny depp had the red flags and track record and evidence that amber heard had it wouldn't have it would have been an open and shut case and everyone would have been calling johnny depp a serial killer for shitting on her bed you know and slicing her finger off with a bottle like you know what i mean like like he would be viewed as clearly a psychopath and would have lost everything but and, and if he had a prior uh, record of abuse like she did, she was arrested for spousal abuse in her previous relationship. So, yeah, it was with a woman. And, uh, you know, and caught on tape mocking them for wanting to go to the police. Like, it just, it, it, and maybe there's a good reason for that. I don't know. Like, you're playing the odds, usually. Like, it's usually the men that will beat the shit out of the woman, right? But there's a lot of abused men that just never report because their little wee fists don't really hurt. It's more emotionally and mentally that kind of hurts. I was but, attacked by a woman and, and I, I tried to stop her and I made a bruise on her arm from just holding it. And she said she was going to call the police. This shit happens all the time. It does. Yeah. And she it's was the final one in that incident. Yeah. You know? It's unfortunate. She threw, a, but... she threw a candlestick holder at my head. Like if it hit me, it was a 15 pound candlestick holder. I would have. I, I got, and I won't say who it is, um, but I, one time I was just, I, like, there was an argument, but it was just like snide, typical long-term relationship. Kind of like, okay, well, fuck fucking whatever fuck you know whatever and i'm cooking my sunday sauce and all of a sudden i feel like like my entire spine like the nerves just shot up and down she had like walked up to me and hit me just like literally five minutes later with like a stainless steel like baseball swung it Whoa. and it hit me in the spine and i went down on a knee for a second i was like what the fuck and i looked back and then i stood up and i was just like did that really happen and she just walked away and I never said, you know, I, what, what am I going to do? If I were to strike a woman with a blunt object, I should be in prison. But it doesn't feel like a imprisonable offense when a woman does it because two seconds later, it's like, oh, it was shocking, but now I'm fine. <laughs> right? Like, I don't know. The crazy world, man. And yeah. I, I, I hope to God I doesn't come across like I was going, like, who cares? Like, it's, No, no, no. I was just busting Violence is, is uh, rampant in this world, unfortunately. Yeah. Douglas, over to you. <laughs> I can't relate. I didn't follow the Amber Heard thing. I thought it was just dumb when I got like one little whiff of it and life was too short and I kind of missed out on all the other stuff. That was classic Noam Chomsky, though, because Chomsky used to talk about how we're so isolated now, society, that we don't really know our neighbors and there's no sort of village mm. there and people don't go to church and all this kind of stuff. So the the gossip, which used to be local, in society has now become famous people and that's what yeah. that is right 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, yeah. I, I actually thought it was it, it had an importance and then it got very it was too much or whatever. But um, because it, it was that it, it bookended the Me Too era with a surprising juxtaposition like story mm. of, of okay. something that is sort of the the mirror opposite of what it normally is. And I thought it kind of there was benefit to that happening because I thought that there were a lot of th- like things happening during Me Too. Like I always describe it as it was obviously a much needed and very valuable movement that benefited and uplifted many women who were victims of abuse. Clearly, it, it, it happening um, has more pros than cons, but there were cons. And one of the cons was this idea, like, I don't know if you guys remember the climate back then, but it was just like, if you, if you made a turn of phrase that was just like, like I, I remember one time I, I, we were, there was some a thread about uh, a, a female journalist and I was like, I remember one time that woman was at a press conference and she did blah, blah, blah. And I got literally eviscerated for being like, that woman? What do you mean, oh, yeah. that woman? Or and I'm just like, bad pain. grammar, dude, just relax. You know, like, and it was like that for a long time. And the presumption of innocence was just gone. Um, and really what made me, in hindsight, I was, I'm even more livid with it because I've been doing all these stories on the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church. And... I, I when I first had Cheryl Hope, who was the person that sort of like broke, you know, uh, everything open for my podcast and for other listeners in Canada, of, uh, eventually of their podcast, was that they weren't. No one was allowed on my show to share stories of abuse, if unless they filed a police report. Like I wasn't going to do stories where it was just an accusation, and I and I stood firm on that because I was watching. And I'll I won't name these journalists because I actually like one of them a lot, but I was watching journalists where the story always followed a formula where it was like an unnamed person is accusing a famous person without any evidence whatsoever. And they're naming the famous person. And that was it. And it was just like, is it just cause they're famous that we just dismiss this as, as okay? Because no, but we're interested right, in it. Right. But it was so on there. I'm surprised there wasn't, maybe there was, and there's all these NDAs or whatever, but I'm surprised there weren't more Patrick Brown style lawsuits against media companies back then, because there mm. were a ton, like the stories followed that formula. Anyways, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but so seeing that, what made me frustrated is that I would require evidence such as a police report and then tell the story. And the mainstream media was just like, so what? And, and, and this cult, and this is probably why the mainstream media, I always think everything's a conspiracy or incestuous between media and government because um, the thing that should have made it a household name was the fact that that same cult owned the companies that were getting billions of dollars in sole source contracts from various provincial governments and federal governments when Harper was in power. And so I'm like, the story had everything. Right. And more evidence than the typical Me Too story. And, they, and I still couldn't get any traction from it. I I want to say something about, again, Chomsky. I'm not a cultist or anything like that, but I think he was dead on about the the idea that these journalists are making a shitload of money. They're not billionaires, but they're being paid by billionaires. And I don't know if it's the government as much as the oligarchs that run run these these networks. And and someone said about PP, uh, you know, that, yeah, if they out him for the uh, uh, Plymouth Brethren or, or any other thing, he won't do their show. And they need yeah. him to do their show to make money, kind of. You know what I mean? But that's the most interesting thing about, for me, with the PBCC uh, uh, thing, is I'd never even heard of it till I started uh, talking to you and yep. Dean, you know? Uh, and it's mind-blowing to me that it isn't 
more of a, and I'd like that's what I'd like this discussion to turn into. It, why isn't it covered by the M MSM media? Because it has all the salaciousness that they would like. It's it involves uh, someone who wants to be prime minister. I don't even you probably know way more about it, James, than I do. Well, uh, I I think um, and if I because I've talked to certain there's a couple of reasons. Okay, so I've talked to journalists about this story um, from the CBC, from the Toronto Star, uh, from um, National Post, which went nowhere for various reasons, um, and Global, and most of them said uh, a couple things one of them uh, like at least two out of the four didn't want to get engaged with the story about that organization because of how fiercely litigious they are right like and that policy. that is common among reporters <clears throat> excuse me in new zealand and in the uk and in australia and it's uh, you know that is a very common um reason for the, for the lack of coverage exactly right um and the other reasons are um for canada anyways is that if you if they were to Google uh, stories in Canada about that, they, they would hardly be able to find anything with the exception of stories that came out through the Klondike papers uh, or and or by David Wallace. And the see uh, CTV or was a city city TV, I think it was um, did a pretty good documentary about it. But the, the deal that the direct the, the director got was really like limited screening of it bad time of day to put it on like he was like what the fuck like we spent a lot of money on this and and you're putting it in these shitty slots and so why that was could be the litigious thing again um it could be though the coverage that um mainstream outlets would be trying to find information would would stumble upon uh dean blundell or crier media um or um certain blogs or whatever so they probably didn't take it all that seriously and then the Klondike Papers was a weirdly um, fortunate way that it was released. It wasn't in any discernible order. So, so if you got the Klondike Papers, if I sent it to a journalist and didn't give him any background, the journalist would be fucking lost. He would have no idea what he would right. be reading. It right. wasn't in any discernible order. It wasn't segmented by stories. So it kind of died on the vine in a lot of ways. Um, but also, the police reports didn't seem to make a difference. Which is fucking crazy. Like it, it, none of them made a difference. There was no famous person attached to it, so the media didn't care. Peepee, yeah, he's famous. Sorry, P uh, Polyev, he's famous. So Paul, the Polyev connection to the cult isn't um, exactly the most like wow, that's crazy. Like he had a business partner, yeah, um, that was a member. Um, he was Prime Minister Harper's. Uh, um, when he was first elected was when Harper was first elected prime minister in 2006. And he became as a 23 or 24 year old, uh, his principal secretary. So he's, he's on nibbling the edges of Plymouth brethren stuff, because as we found out through Richard Marsh, um, when Stephen Harper was elected, uh, he swore on a Plymouth brethren Bible, which was fucking yeah. weird. The next election, all of the main elders in the cult were seated in the front row of his inauguration speech, yeah. and they were the first people that he shook hands with um, when he was finished his speech, which is the most you know prolific speech when you just win. Um, so, but interestingly enough, I've had a lot of trouble trying to locate the donor lists for both the campaign and for the party for the years 20, 2004 to two thousand eight, or sorry, two thousand eleven. And it's like, it's so frustrating. Like, I can't get anywhere with it because hmm. I want to see if donors, obviously, 
because yeah. the cool thing is about it is that um, because I have Cheryl and Richard and people like that, they won't have to see the company names. If they see the last name, the, the cult members are so tight knit in their localities that they'll just recognize the last name as a person that is part of the cult. Because what she, they think, what they do with cult members is that they all give like so much money as a tithing to the big man in Australia, Bruce Hales. But they also, um, they, they work, the companies that they work for are all, are all obviously cult owned. And they get them to do like the minions in the group or in the cult to do things like become boiler room telemarketing companies, contacting all the MPs and fucking like saying no to gay marriage back in the day. Or they'll um, send a letter writing campaign and just each sign a hundred different names and just like copy it and just sign different names all the time. And they use them as a sweatshop like that. So it's not totally out of the ordinary. That's what you're saying. Well, it's not totally out of the ordinary that they would be, um, you know, like the robocalls. Michael Sona, although it wasn't the exclusive brethren, he was a member of the Plymouth Brethren when he was, uh, like he grew up with it. But it's not the, the more serious sect. But I actually asked him a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, were there any other members of the PBCC working with you? And he kind of wouldn't answer. But, you know, like they, it's just one of those things. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, by the way, I don't want if, if, if his relationship with it is not that deep and it's tangential, then it doesn't deserve to be a big story. I mean, I'm fair about this stuff and I'm learning every day. In fact, I don't know, like true, true eager beaver and all this stuff. Like this is all new for me to, to get news from guys like you. And uh, I find it fascinating uh, what you guys talk about versus what, uh, what, what CTV or any, any number of other ones talk about, but I want to be fair. I mean, if the guy isn't really a member of the cult or they have no proof of it. Yeah. No, no, but but I want to know just because I want to see where the tentacles go and how much they've done. Listen, if I were to describe the story, like my elevator pitch for this story is this. It's exactly like Scientology, only on a bit of a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. And instead of getting billions and billions and billions only through members, the PBCC get billions and billions and billions of dollars worldwide for uncontested government contracts. So that to me is the linchpin of everything. Why? Because we used to live... You know, but what, thought, what do they do? I, I, I'm sorry. What do they do? Well, for example, well, for example, for exa- well, they do things like um, they'll they'll get they'll have a lot of uh, contracts that are like building desks for schools in a province, like being the main person or refurbishing things. And like they're not builders, but they're like the second uh, degree builders. So they'll do like roofs and eavesdrops and landscaping and da da da. And they have all these little companies like that, but they also have, um, during this uh, COVID, for example, somehow worldwide, they got 4.8 billion pounds in Commonwealth countries in sole source PPE contracts while never having any experience in the PPE business. Yeah. So it's like, you know why is that happening and and we i thought we lived in the era of public relations where it was like if i was at a mainstream outlet and i found out that the billions of dollars in government source contracts were going to a a, a cult that was oppressive to women that was oppressive to gays documented cases of them prescribing chemical castration drugs to members who were found to be gay right they, you know, a kidnapping, not even shitting you, the, their doctrine of separation that would take relatives and move them to Australia out of the reach of their family who left the cult and were co- totally discommunicated. 
and and the fact that there's no appetite for exposing that and asking our government officials why would you give a contract to such a blatantly abusive organization and look at their face go white and get them to fucking not do it but we don't live in a just world it seems and i don't care if this ain't casual anymore <laughs> it's it's fun to talk about this shit i don't know well there, isn't there a, you, you were talking about something uh, earlier and i'm try i was trying to i was looking for it wasn't there a story in the news about isn't it in alberta like think some patients for a treatment center and i'm not sure if they were there against their will or under will and they were being forced to do a political campaign phone calls what? yeah um i i, I think it might be what... squishing a few stories together but, the, but yeah. there was yeah there was um there's a i've seen a couple i've talked to a couple of people that worked in those telemarketing offices um and and yeah, that's the, their job was to um, like they might have been, dude. You know what? Who knows what they've actually done? Like what we know they've done is just free political telemarketing campaigns for various conservative parties in various elections in this country and in the states. But it happens in the states too with the Christian. Uh, well, it happens with the PBCC in the states too. Like yeah, and, no, I know, and also the what do they call it? This, uh, you know the. The right, heavy right wing, the family. Did you ever see that? I think we talked. Uh, that about was that. that was a scary, scary movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really was. Yeah, they've made it. They they've turned it into like a uh, like in the states. They're so strategic and evil, smart on how they accomplish their religious aims through unsuspecting people who volunteer their time for certain issues. Brilliant. And it's yeah. crazy how like the machine operates and then people kind of get used to it and they feel like they're still having people and some of them buy in, but even the ones that don't are like, meh, <laughs> you know, Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, okay. I, I got to go soon, but I got to say, you know, we're having all these discussions of Ford and the green belt. I'd love to hear both of your, your thoughts on this, which is that w will there be accountability? Is there really the organization, the stomach, the lack of apathy to, uh, to me, it's like Ford's just riding the, the wave of whatever's going on right now. And in two or three weeks or a month from now, no one will, it'll just, nothing will happen. Yeah. Douglas, what do you think? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, well, maybe riff off of this. I, I think the RCMP, um, uh, is, is they're, they're, they're at a crossroads right now. It's a watershed moment probably for them. Yeah. Um, if, or the only other thing I can think of is because I'm not an expert in this type of law is that somehow what happened isn't illegal. And then, right. then, then you have to change a whole bunch of laws and legislation and policies and protocols and all that kind of stuff. Because it, like I was talking about this with Karima tonight. That's a great point, by the way. I, I was to thank you. I was talking about it with Karima tonight. I was like, why can't politics and government just be set up where if you're Spenny and you have, um, and, and it's been established through like some sort of vetting or whatever. Okay, you have personal friendships with these eight people. Therefore, the companies that those eight people own can never do business with the government in order to avoid the impropriety or potential impropriety of a, of a conflict of interest. Because if we don't start doing that, we are giving way too much benefit of the doubt to the people yes. that get elected. Yes. You know? Like this is crazy how, how Doug Ford is trying to sell us that he was completely blind to the process that enriched his wedding guests. Like, are you got to be fucking no. kidding me? No, no, <laughs> you know? no. And I don't know. I think people need to be more mad about it. I'm really happy the Toronto Star is doing such a really good job. 
Um, I feel like I feel like if it was a liberal story, they probably wouldn't be doing such a good job. But I, I don't care what they're motivated by as long as the truth comes out. I don't give a fuck anymore because this is. Uh, well, this I think is one in of those fairness, stories. it's important that you know corruption. Post media is like crickets. It doesn't make it, you know. But anyways, what what did you want to say? Yeah. No, I um. <laughs> Yeah, that that one's a a weird thing because it's you know as we've been say we've been saying on our show, uh, when it comes to Doug Ford, journalists have been timid. But if there's something that journalists love, is blood in the water, and there's yeah. definitely blood in the water. I mean, this guy is bleeding, uh, like you would not believe. Um, the last time the Toronto Star did this uh, aggressive and good job on a story was Doug's brother Rob Ford. Yeah, it, you know they, they they dug in and they found, you know, all the things that they found, and a lot of that was lucky. But they stayed on the story, mostly yeah. because Rob Ford froze him out. He signed his own death warrant. I'm going to freeze oh, you yeah. out. Okay, we'll dig harder then. Right. Yeah, you know? well, yeah, just give them some motivation. But you're getting all these slick things that are coming up, drips and drabs, right? Those two plots of land, and now Mister X, and then the whole, you know, and it's there's more. And the thing is that this is his central plank building home. So every time that he's out announcing another project, yeah. it just makes these questions come up again. And if Clark is not gone yet, because all these people are saying they accept responsibility, but we're just moving forward. Right. So you're not accepting responsibility. We're just going to keep on doing what we're doing anyway. Okay. So Amato's gone and Clark can't go because he knows everything and Doug knows everything. So if Clark goes, he has to take Doug with him. So something is telling me that there's, there has to be yet another shoot or two to drop because yeah. if there wasn't like this, Doug Ford is the type of guy, because when he tried to introduce stop and frisk again in the parks during COVID, why not? Oh, okay. Okay. You got me. I'm not doing it. He would have right. done that. They're not doing that this time. You nailed they're it. Making, they're putting a lot of work into making sure that Clark doesn't leave. And well, Clark you, was running a lot of interference. In that first press conference all that time ago, Clark jumped in nine times, no fewer than nine times when a question was asked to Doug Ford to answer. There, there's there's two possibilities. And the plot he knows thickens, a whole lot more. And the, there's two possibilities. And the plot thickens when you find out that uh, Clark's daughter, who does actually have a job in the premier's office, but it's not Lily's girlfriend. Um, but uh, Clark's daughter, uh, her boyfriend is Ryan Amato. There's a lot of uh, incestuous <laughs> things, and then and that's crazy because of so many reasons. But you know, wait, yeah, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, Clark's daughter, what, what, Clark's, Clark's daughter, daughter is is. A, 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 I was told. Okay, I should I should preface all this. I, I was told to, I was told today by a chief of staff of a sitting senator that okay. Clark's daughter's boyfriend is Ryan Amato. Okay, I heard that Clark's daughter was Ivana Yelich, which like no, I that, that was, I, I tweeted I tweeted that as a question because someone said that, but I was corrected uh, in a private message. Um, yeah, and that, that I didn't realize that because he had a picture with his daughter who was like I, I think egg, egg farmers or something. I, like someone that. told me that Yelich is is the chief of staff now and not the communications person, so maybe there's just a confusion thing there. But okay. the, but you did nail it though. There's one of two reasons why Clark is still in his job. Either he was also on the take, which doesn't seem that far-fetched because Ryan Amato no. handled all those deals He's as his son-in-law, basically. Years. Yeah. And the other possibility is that, and I think I tweeted something like, uh, keep your friends close and potential whistleblowers closer. And they well, don't want to sure. piss off Clark. Uh, well, here's know. the thing. And, and we're in a situation now, right? Amato's gone and they're pressing Clark. And I know you saw the tweet, but we're in a situation right now where Clark is technically the premier now. 
Because if Clark speaks, Doug goes down. So well, how much got, can he make Doug dance? He's got him in check. The secret. He's got him in check. Other, keep your eyes. Everybody's looking at Doug. Keep your eyes on Clark. 40 years experience. And that's the, like I say it on the show, it's the number one file of that government. You do not design a process. And I can't, no, I don't know if Doug Ford picked the chief of staff himself or his office picked it and then put him in the Clark's thing. That's, well, that would also be design, coincidence. Yes, He'd choose the guy's son-in-law to be his chief of staff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you pick that. He shows up parties. He sits there. He looks cute. He gets the envelopes. He comes in. The envelopes tell him what to do. He does it. And this guy who has 40 years experience designs a whole process where public wealth, land, is going to be transferred to other people for development, which means money, he does, and doesn't apply any oversight whatsoever to the process. Doug Ford doesn't apply any oversight. And then this proposal finally gets to cabinet and what they look at it for about an hour and a half, discuss it and say, yeah, sure. Go ahead with it. Yeah. I guess, you know, if you're, it's if you're... not even plausible deniability because you just, you just, you just, you have to do so many things on purpose to build a process in the system where an integrity commissioner can come and look at it after and says, well, or, or the auditor general, well, I'm not convinced they knew. Well, of course they didn't know because all the interventions that they did, they did before the process started. They got the developers to get the package. They chose the guy, why not? and then they didn't look at it whatsoever. So I'm looking at this integrity commissioner's report and he says, oh, yes, there was a lack of oversight. But why was there a lack of oversight, integrity commissioner? I want someone to just calculate like, the he, odds. He's basically... The- what are the odds that all of the people that got it um, for like, I think it's literally like 12 um, or something, all these developers, what are the, what are, what's the odds that, that they would pick the very same developers that were both donors and wedding guests? I just want to know what those odds would be because zero point zero 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 because Doug Ford makes it seem like he sequestered himself from the entire process and the entire whole thing. And just like, holy shit, are you serious? All my friends got it? But clock as well. Crazy. Like, how did that happen? Like, I got to go, but this, what all this is reminding me of how absolutely extraordinary what's happening in the United States is. If you don't buy the weaponization of the judicial system, Mm. they're, they're doing remarkable things and very difficult things and things that are very risky. And uh, I kind of like to see that happen here, you know, if, 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 if that's going, but. Guys, I got to go. I don't know how yeah, to. It's okay, man. I'm already late. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate your time, buddy. We'll, we'll talk soon. Thanks, man. Yeah. So you got uh. you got dumbass Dougie Donuts here. <laughs> Dougie Just Donuts. like saying, well, gee, folks, I can't. I don't know how this happens. Like, and it's almost like the integrity commissioner looked at all of this and said, aha, Johnny can't read. Okay, but yes. why can't Johnny read? Right. Did, were, were you the, the utter lack of curiosity? You're an integrity commissioner. Be fucking curious. It's like, so, oh, well, there was a lack of oversight. Why was there lack? Why was this process designed to have a lack of oversight? How is it possible that with somebody 40 years experience designed such a process with lack of oversight? Are you not curious, integrity commissioner? What the hell? I don't know, man. I don't know. I was talking about this. This is another subject that I was talking about with Karima. And we were saying, we were just sort of shooting the shit about it and how, um, I wonder, anyways, if it's if we are inundated with so much data and so many stories right now mm-hmm. that we have we become sort of desensitized yep. to scandal, yep. right? Yep. Because 
you know, this story, if there was no internet and we got, oh, we all got our news at six yep. or 11 and this story was happening, I have a funny feeling it would be such a more massive story covered universally be. by all media. It would be all we'd be talking about, you know, like, be. but now it's and if just, you had to wait till the next day to find out what they're going to say instead of getting it right away and how they're right. going to get out of it. And they had like an hour or two to strategize about, you know, cause it's not like, okay, you know, it's seven o'clock. Okay. Well, you know, get the clip and that's 715 and put it on the air at 730. It's like, we're getting the clip at 715. There's no news till 11. Yeah. It was, it used to right? be back in the day, especially in the States, but I'm pretty sure probably here too. Like I, but I, I just have this picture in my mind of like um, American families gathered down a radio or when the TV first came out and watching yep. current events was literally a family event after dinner yep. or even during yep. dinner or whatever. And now it's just like, we just take our thumbs and scroll through big, important stories because we're saturated with all this shit. I don't know if we're supposed to absorb all this. And I, I think that's why the, the thing has, uh, it's switched to people trying to do it in the dark to now they're just doing it right up in front. It's yeah. like, now they're saying like, you know what, let's just do all the shit. Let's just do all the shit. Let's just do it all in because when they're covering one, we're going to start new new shit there and start new shit there, and we're, we're going to light ten thousand brush fires, and then we're going to call everybody pedos along the way, and we're going to that's going to cause them to go over there and say, "Hey, they called you a pedo. How do you react?" And while they're doing that, we're going to light another brush fire here and steal that there, and let's just put it all in front. There's going to be so much. We're going to get away with some of it. Yeah, I wonder where the, the right keeps on saying it's Trudeau and his army of eco terrorists that are setting fires. Um. I think it's more plausible, and I'm not certainly suggesting this is happening, but just for the sake of entertainment, it's more plausible that, like, media companies would be doing it. Dude, we really need a story. Like, we are not making any revenue. Johnny, go get your matches and gasoline and come back when shit's right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, that's not that's not happening. But satire. Just, satire. Yeah, yeah, it's satire. Um, sapphire. Uh-huh. That's all I got. <laughs> When you don't get stoned, those are the dad jokes. It's, uh, yeah. Um, my son and I have been like, my son is such a good dad joke guy. Like he's, not, Oh really? Oh, he's already like, and he's starting off like on the, you know, the low hanging fruit stuff. Like I made egg bacon and eggs for myself and he was here today and he was just like, daddy, your breakfast looks excellent. I was just like, <laughs> how can I not laugh at that? He's nine. so But he delivers it like he's so precocious, right? He's just like, Daddy, you know, those eggs, they crack me up. And I'm just like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, boo, get better. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow, uh, Dad, those eggs have personality. They really came out of their shell. Oh, yeah, exactly. I'm sure he sees something like that too. He is hilarious though. Like he's, he's, you know, he pretends he's a cat. Um, I I showed him the Will Ferrell clip of his uh, Saturday Night Live um, audition. And if anyone, if you want to, you know what, get get rid of, I don't know. Is that Keith Richards still on that screen there? Yeah, that's, that that was. Okay, forget Keith Richards. If you can find uh, Will Ferrell's um, cat impersonation on SNL, um, it like his his, his uh, I think it's a screen test for him. Um, it is so funny, and now my my son does it, and he does it just like Will Ferrell, and it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, the dad jokes, the dad jokes are hilarious. I, the best dad jokes are spontaneous. That's that's part of the dad joke formula, right? Like it has to be an in the moment thing, right? 
I'm pretty sure. Like, you can't recycle a dad joke because then it's just like, not only are you telling a dad joke, but it's a recycled one. Like, I, I was working at a uh, hippie store um, a couple years ago uh, to supplement my income. And three years ago, I think. And they sold, like, it was like Kensington Market, but in one gigantic store in Barry's Bay. It's called Grumbling Grannies. Okay. And there were these uh, two paddles. And there was, there was three paddles, small, medium, and large. And this woman comes in. She comes in with like a seven-year-old kid or something. And she's like, which one of these paddles do you think would be good for my son's height? And I'm like, either or. I literally bowed. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, because it was in the moment, right? And I was just like, and it was, it's so bad. You could smell it in a way, right? Like, but, but that's what makes it really good. I love dad jokes. Dad either jokes are my or. favorite invention. <laughs> They're so amazing. That's inspired. Okay. I don't know if I'm going to get dinged for this or not. Do you think I'll get dinged for this? I don't know. Who's the YouTube account holder? <laughs> oh, hold on. I'll take a look for it. Uh, Colby Stewart, MD. Okay. How many subscribers? 375. Oh, well, that's perfect. I, I, I shouldn't be able. I shouldn't get busted for this. Okay. So this is Wolf. My son can do exactly what Will Ferrer does in this video. All he's right. Not. Here we go. Is the sound on? Uh, it is according to this. This is Duckweiler. Oh, Please hold all my calls. I'll be busy for the next. My son doesn't do that part. Uh, I've got a lot of paperwork I need to do. Thank you. <laughs> I won't play the whole thing, but just my son does that now. <laughs> <laughs> Tell Don Jacobs to hold. Yes. No, I'm busy. Thank you. <laughs> just, just a couple of things. <laughs> so my son does that for like a half an hour today. He keeps on looking at me with his serious face and he's like, <laughs> and he's like waiting for me to smile. And I just, I, I don't give him the smile right away. I wait, I make him do it a couple of times and then I just fucking burst out and laugh. Oh, Oh, yeah, he's a ham. He's got to be a lawyer, dude. He's a, my son is oh, really? the most argumentative person I've met since I met myself, which is about which is about six years ago. I think. Oh my, yeah, like he is. You guys think I'm bad? Picture me on the Dean Blundell show, like near like the six month mark, where I started like, oh, go fuck yourself, Lachlan. Like what? It's like that. He's not like that. He's not like I that missed- at all. But but he is so like like if I say anything, it doesn't matter if he knows about the subject or not. He'll be like, "Actually, Daddy," and if I may give you an example, and then it, it won't really fit though. But he'll sound like he knows what he's talking about, and I'm like, "I need you to sit down in front of me," because he's a really 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 good hearted kid, right? Like just that he has these moments. But I sit him down, and I'm just like, "Now listen, I want to tell you something. I know you want to be an inventor. I get it. Inventors rule the world, you know, but." I just want to let you know that you're going to have to start buckling down in math and science if you want to be an inventor. That's just the way it goes because you're going to have to be smart like that. And you can do it. I have faith in you, but just let you know. Now, if you don't want to end up doing that, there is one career where you can make a lot of money and you don't need to know math or science. And that is becoming a lawyer. And I'm going to try to get him interested in being a lawyer as soon as I possibly can without getting him to repel from it because he wants to repel from daddy. Like, I got to figure out that sweet spot because this fucking kid... 
oh my god he'll argue about anything and sound like he knows what he's talking about like he could trick juries there's no way in hell he couldn't uh when i was a kid i thought i was going to become a litigator oh did you yeah and then i got to university and i took an i think a contract law course first level and it seems that all my instincts about the raw the law are wrong <laughs> we'd like take this the, 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 we'd study this case and then go well, she obviously got screwed. So it's like, no, it's not that because this condition related to that, that makes it so that oh, like, yeah. oh, come on, man. Hey. She got screwed. Yeah. But it's, the, it's like, ah. and I was systematic. My, my inner sense of justice was always completely misaligned with what the law. All lawyers are, are nurse, ja- are, are, are nurse Jackies who don't care because they're all high. Right. For one thing. <laughs> and they detach themselves from the, Person from personalizing the people who are seeking justice, or in Nurse Jackie's case, the people who are getting legs amputated, whatever it happens to be. There's a ability for 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 people in that, both those professions to completely detach themselves from the consequence or emotional part of everything, and they're like, you know, "Listen, this serial killer, uh, gun to my head, likely did it, but the technicality exists in the law because it could." put somebody in prison and they don't mm-hmm. care about the setting the guilty free they care about not putting the innocent right. in prison exactly. so and that's the trade-off is that sometimes maniacs get off right yep but it's i was i was sitting like in the in the class i was sitting there and i was like going through all these cases and i'm thinking okay how can i systematically be so wrong so often and I thought, hmm, maybe this is not the career for you. <laughs> well, what would you want to be like? It, it, I think that law is probably like really frustrating. And like, look, I, I've been in court and it is nothing like it is on TV. Now, I've never had a trial. I was mm-hmm. smart enough to plead guilty the one time and smarter enough to have everything dropped any other time. But, you know, the the idea that that court is somehow dramatic or you know entertaining at all is not like half the time it's just like uh your honor um please court the uh uh motion uh under subsection b1c uh, as the clerk uh received earlier yesterday um uh, has been postponed uh we need remanding to and that's literally all it is <laughs> like there are no dramatic moments nothing and i think the romanticization of that profession is immediately like dropped and people become jaded once they've been at a firm clerking or whatever for a year or two. Yeah. You know, that's why they do so much Coke. Right? Another brief. Well, that was the whole thing, right? Because I started in debating. So, you know, went to the provincials, went to the nationals and all that kind of stuff. And I loved it and I was good at it. So I thought, you know, I'm going to be a kick-ass litigator because I can debate that out of stuff. Yeah, but then it's like, oh, there's all the other stuff you got to do before you can get in the courtroom. And <laughs> like, that stuff's not as fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's weird. Like, it's, yeah. I've had more than one lawyer tell me that um, school and the bar are really once you're done those things, the profession itself could be tedious, but it's not as difficult as school or the bar. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, like you know where to find things. You know where to see yeah. seek precedent. You know, plus you have a, like maybe an assistant and a clerk to do that kind of like you know, like uh, what do you, that that laborious kind of paperwork yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't think I could be anything other than a criminal attorney. Uh, you know, I, 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 being behind the scenes, talking to other lawyers, that doesn't sound yeah. fun. Performing Family. in front of juries and judges, that yeah. sounds more up my speed. Criminal, I might have been able to do, but I'm kind of squirmy about gore. I definitely could not have done family court, so I probably would have had to do something. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I think I probably would have done like international law or something. Probably where, oh, where I would have ended up. Yeah, UN type yeah. job. Yeah, I probably would have ended up doing stuff like that because I just, but even then, you know, there's genocides and stuff. And this is like, I realized really early that stumped like a social worker, a doctor, a nurse, a policeman, a fireman, a EMS, that those were all out because there's no way I would not be able yeah. to bring my home, not bring my home, my work home with me. Yeah, uh, there is a, uh, a difficult um time i have with uh with the idea of being a vet you know mm-hmm. i'd rather see human beings die than animals i don't know i'm one of those guys mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean like, yeah. like if i run into a video accidentally on online of a human being getting killed i might be like oh that's awful but if i see someone boiling a dog i'm just like i am so fucking mad right now like you know what i mean like there's i don't know why mm-hmm. i value I, I, mm-hmm. I guess it's the helplessness and innocence, you know? Yeah. Like, like the chances are that guy that got killed in a hit and run probably did some bad shit. Mm-hmm. The puppy yeah. didn't do anything to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> do you know? The thing about being the litigator, though, is that I discovered later on that I think the element about that one uh, would have, ah, oh, political ethics lawyer, Jake Kirk, Kirk says. Douglas would be a great, yeah, I might have, yeah, I might, yeah. Ethics. That might have been a place I would have gone to. Yeah. Um, I was, um, Thinking about it, you know, I'm. I was thinking about being a litigator at one point, and then I was a dance student at another point, and then I went into communications at another point, and I'm sitting there, and it's like, oh, what's the common thing? An audience. Ah, interesting. Journalism. I thought, you know, people read you. You're a teacher. You have a class, a litigator. You have a jury. You have, but there's always some type of audience. So, that's and that's what I realized at, at some point that that I was. Yeah, I have to the work that I do has to be something that people see for some reason. Yeah. I think we probably, we probably have that in common. Yeah. Uh, Did you ever feel like you had to, did you ever have to make your own luck or make your own opportunities out of thin air? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is one, right? Yeah. This is definitely like, I, I, that was my albatross and my main talent in my twenties, thirties and whatever it it was. uh, I have so many one-offs. So yeah. many things that I did just once, but yeah. I had a lot of success doing it. Yeah. So I, I did one commercial in my entire life where I was director, producer, I did casting, I was like over like looking the cinematographer, I wrote it, like I did everything, every fucking thing. And I yeah. and I did it motivated by the fact that I, I did a spreadsheet and I'm like, I was just gonna be the producer, writer, and director. And then I saw how much money I had to spend on casting and director of photography. And uh, the only thing I splurged on was editing because you have to. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, well, fuck, I could do casting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. fuck, I'll do director of photography. I know what I want it to look like. Then, then I'll lean on the director for his eye. Like, well, I'll figure that out. 
And I was motivated by that. But anyways, long story short, uh, we won best ad in that industry. And then I never did a commercial ever again because I didn't know. (laughs) Because I did, first of all, I didn't have any business doing the first one. So then literally my entire resume would just be one thing. You know, if I was being honest, like I didn't work in any agency, didn't do anything. Um, So I couldn't like fucking, I didn't know how to, I never knew how to take successes back then and find a common thread or build on them. You know, that was one of my fucking main, that was why I was such a fucking nobody for so long until I was like 40, I would say. You know, are you frozen or are you just very impressed? <laughs> Douglas will come back. Oh, Douglas is gone. Okay. Um, yeah, a lot of one-offs. Uh, th- th- another one-off I had was the uh, the Liberal Party job that I had. I never had a job with a, with a political party anymore. Never mind leaning on delegates to vote on a policy initiative. And it paid really well. And then I had to sign an NDA and all that kind of stuff. But I never worked for a political political party before or after that. And uh, yeah, random. I'm one of those stupid random guys. Uh, Douglas has disappeared. I hope he comes back. Uh, we're going to wrap up anyways in probably about 10, 10 minutes or so. Um, <laughs> Ryan, I didn't know you were here. I don't know who you're saying sure buds to. So, um, oh, I know, I know what I wanted to do. I wanted to play... Um, just because Douglas isn't here, I, oh, Douglas is here again. Douglas, can I was... can I um, can I cement my Saddam Hussein impersonator argument with the other video? Because the other video is, I think, like, okay, just wait, you'll see. <laughs> Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I listen. I'm. I'm so um, sorry. I would be lying to you if I. I'm not embellishing. I'm not being facetious. When you grow your beard, if you were to cut your hair, put on yeah. the uniform, and put on that hat, not anybody in the world would. Everyone would be like. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Like you could have, if you were a Rocky, you would have been one of his doubles for sure. Oh, there's no way you wouldn't have. Just, absolutely. Well, and now he's a bad guy. It, it, I yeah, get yeah. It. you're the opposite that's of him in real life. Damn. Yes, I'd be playing against type. You would. He probably doesn't like gay people, right? <laughs> um, he was a worldwide terrorist and a complete psychopath <sighs> and a murderer. And you are none of those things, my friend. <laughs> none of those things. Yeah. <laughs> Call me after the show. Tell me hey, I gotta keep. I, okay, okay. I gotta keep some mystery. I can't just be yeah. this uh, you, goody two shoes. You've done two hundred shows. You've done two hundred shows, right? Uh, the the morning is, show, yeah. That is the morning amazing. Show. We, we have you, more if we count all the other ones and stuff like that. But the morning show, yeah, will be it will be at two hundred Monday. I do. I don't think I've ever told you this before, but um. What you guys keep it simple, but it is now like a part of my morning. And it usually, what like I, I it honestly is, I usually like maybe tune in like three times a week on average, maybe four. Yeah. And I, I, I usually get into like 7 15 or whatever. And then it's like I'm trying my best to um, do my own work or whatever because that's my golden time for writing. And I end up being like this. 
and then typing jokes to try to like derail the subject sometimes, you know, like yes. but I have so much fun, right? Like <laughs> I have so much fun doing it. Um, I sent Paul, I don't know if Paul played it cause I had to leave cause my kids came over and I don't know if, uh, if he, if he showed this picture or not, but you guys, we were talking about, you guys were talking about Trudeau and I was talking about how he, um, he, he doesn't, uh, like someone was saying that Trudeau at least kisses you before he fucks you. Something yes. like that. Yeah, and I think I said, over. yeah, but he keeps his eyes open. Yes. And then I sent uh, Paul a picture and I put in the subject line. He also doesn't close his eyes when he cuddles. And I sent him this picture. This is me and Justin Trudeau in, uh, in 2012. And, and look at me for one thing. I look yeah. like such a fanboy. It's so hilarious. You but do you know why I, do you know why I look like that? But he, what he said, I, I, when we were facing each other, I was like, we have the exact same color eyes and we did. And he, mm -hmm. looked, he went into me like this. He was like, you know, looking at my eyes. And then he, we pressed, he pressed our faces together and said, separated at birth. And that's why I looked like that. Cause I was being caught by my cameraman person going like this. Like I was just like, I can't believe he fucking said that, but it caught me at the most innocent part of that grin. And now yeah. I look like a motherfucking fanboy, fanboying out to Justin Trudeau. But really, if you can it see so comfy in his arms. a half second after that, it would have looked more like this. <laughs> in, my in, my, in my defense. So anyways, he was nice, though. He, he was nice. I would describe him as a 40-year-old man as precocious. Um, you know how okay. a riser in those conventions are, some, are like five feet off the ground? So he walked right, right. like the, the CBC stage, those risers or whatever. So he yeah. was standing in a standing position and jumped onto the riser, but just made it. Oh, okay. Just fucking made it. Didn't fall and kind of kept walking, kind of strutting. And I looked over and it was Wendy Mesley and somebody else looked like, at each other and like, and rolled their eyes. Like they like, oh, Justin, you know, like always doing that <laughs> shit. So he had the reputation of being kind of like a, um, a mimbo or whatever, like back in the day, like himbo. Is that what it's called, mimbo? Himbo. Oh, a himbo. Yes, a himbo. A himbo. Yes. That's that's how they thought of him. It was interesting to see because you got a glimpse of what the kind of surface relationship was between Justin Trudeau and the media back then, and they just thought he was cheesemo. Like they just thought he was a <laughs> cheesy, cheesy guy, right? And they're not wrong. <laughs> he's oh, he's cheesy. probably plenty cheesy. Yeah. Um, let's get let's let's end it there because uh, oh wait a second, what's going on here? Yeah, Ryan Lindley, uh, who sent you a link? I, I'll tell you something <laughs> funny. I didn't know this until today. I was today years old when I realized that an old restream link that you sent me the last time I was on the show still works. Are you serious? Yeah. So anybody can like break into your show. Well, I gotta let him in. <laughs> You know, well, I don't have course. to let him in, right? Oh, <laughs> I still have the power. <laughs> I missed you guys. I missed you last week. I was actually, I was really disappointed. I couldn't make it last week when, uh, when you, you and I were texting and, uh, I wanted to be here, but. Yeah. Well, listen, oh, I... um, it's good to see you. I, I'm glad that you are engorged in food content. Because I think yeah, that is the, the right the right it place for you to be. Yeah. yeah, tell us what's going on. Um, actually, we just launched the new and improved. Um, oh yeah, hi. 
I'll move so that it works. Uh, the new and improved getting saw sauced. There it is. Uh -huh. uh, Turn your mic up a bit. Podcast. Oh yeah. Is that better? Yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah, the new and improved getting so now I gotta turn my headphones down because fuck that's loud. I'm a loud piece of shit. Sorry. You are um yeah. Not loud, uh, the new but... Getting Sauce podcast uh just uh launched. It'll be out this weekend on revolutionradio.live. Uh Saturday and Sunday at four PM Eastern. So if you go to revolutionradio.live, you'll hear it. Uh it's coming to your um podcast host. What do you, how do you even call that? I was trying to think of that when we were doing the ads. You're a podcaster. Podcast yeah, but how do you, how do you say like, it's, it's available wherever it, you get podcasts? Yeah, but that sounds so cliche and so clunky now. Everybody it's the elevator it. pitch. It is. It, it's, it's totally you, an elevator. You could paraphrase it. Um, okay. If you guys listen to podcasts, chances are you'll find ours. Like it just seems, you know, yeah. Come up with a thousand ways to say it. Okay. All right, well, we'll figure it out. But anyway, um, so the music, like, because we play music during our show, right? Like, but right. licensed music that we can play on Revolution Radio, but okay. we can't play it on, like, Spotify and Apple. So oh. we have to cut those parts out. Kind of like, have you ever listened to the Locker Room podcast? Uh, yeah. Clips. Yeah. So yeah. the yeah. Locker Room podcast, you'll hear their morning show where they actually just cut, they put bumpers in. And they cut the music out so that they okay. don't get like flagged on Spotify. Okay. So we're doing the same thing with with getting sauced, right? So gotcha. Ashley's now a co-host. Um, yes. It's public knowledge now, by the way, and this is kind of like a sneak peek preview. Ashley has left long-term care. Oh, entirely. Good she for her. Actually, she tendered her resignation on Friday. Yes. I can see that job no, getting old. Friday. Thursday. So yesterday, yes. yesterday morning, she actually finally, um, like, actually hit the send button on that email. Well and, done, Ashley. Uh, yeah. yeah. And Ashley is, Ashley's doing what I want to do. She's, I, and I hate that she's not here because she's actually out doing what my dream is. She's in an actual kitchen and she's an actual cook. Oh, in wow. an actual restaurant. <laughs> it fucking pisses me right How off. did that happen? How did Have that you happen? never been a cook at a restaurant before? Uh, I was. I was okay. uh, about 10 years ago. I did it. Uh, a friend of mine owned a place in Hamilton, and it was fantastic. It was great. Like, it was a, it was a really good place. Um, but it wasn't, like, something that, it, like, it was, like, buddies. You know what I mean? Like, we were all pals. Mm. I didn't even have my, uh, my, my food handler certificate. <laughs> I didn't have, like, all that shit that you're supposed to have when you work. And Ashley has all that stuff. Yeah. Um, you can get that online. Yeah, yeah you, I know. But back, back in those days nobody gave a shit right and it was also i'm not going to name any names but it was also a politician that owned it <laughs> so it was like one of those yeah fuck it don't worry about it yeah, yeah so um but she's doing she's she's chasing my dream right so which is really nice because it's hers as well don't get me wrong but um it's always been like i've been the content guy when it comes to food right so she's actually like chasing that dragon now so, which is a, a fantastic deal and it's nice and close to home such a grind i it i is. don't know if you know it's this crazy. about me uh, but uh not consecutively but i have been uh my occupation has been cook uh for like a decade like a, of my life i've spent 10 years working in restaurants uh just yeah. as either a cook I've, I've ran kitchens um you know small kitchens where it's just like me maybe one other person or whatever and then i've been like line cook um, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm the guy that can make something in a pinch or whatever, but like 
yeah. you know, never a chef, proper chef at a really nice restaurant or anything like that. But it's been like bars and like diners and, you know, but really yeah. that's the greatest place to sort of cut your teeth in that business because it is not an easy job, man. It is stressful. Well, I, Ashley's Ashley's done. Uh, she's done actual like she's done this before. Like her brother is an executive chef. Like he's an actual Red Seal chef. Right. Oh, wow. And he's done some some stuff here in town before he moved out to um, Calgary or um, Alberta. Sorry, he was in like uh, Banff and shit. And like he like that's where he actually like got his um, his his I don't know his bones. He made his bones in in Banff, mm. right? But he came back, and Ashley kind of stodged under him, but for pay uh, here in Hamilton doing stuff, and then. Um, went on to like college she went and got her her uh she was a recreational programmer uh recreational therapist like that mm. she's got schooling like she went to like college for multiple years <laughs> to be who she was before the pandemic and then the pandemic literally just eviscerated um yep, yeah. long-term care in ontario and it yep. broke the spirits of most people in long-term care in ontario the people that actually gave a shit now it's up to contract workers and whatever i'm not going to get political about it but because of the fact that she's out so we don't you know what sorry about your grandma i i we can't care anymore we've cared for too long and fuck it i like i did i just don't fucking care anymore like um if if you don't want to take your elderly people into your own home and you want to fucking put them into the ontario long-term care programs that's on you bucko because it ain't on me anymore because fuck it's it's a it's a disaster in this province. It's all yeah. privately owned bullshit, and it sucks. And my wife couldn't take it anymore because she actually has a fucking heart and she loves people. And she said, "I can't watch this anymore." I said, "Then you need to get the fuck out." Did she steal any prescription drugs upon leaving? Hundreds. Yeah, thousands girl. of pills. She's, oh yeah, our the old people don't need them. They can barely feel a thing. Opiates. It's fantastic. <laughs> That's why he joined us tonight. That's right. I'm on them right now. <laughs> Uh, no, she. I'm uh, not she Gladys just, Smith. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> she couldn't do it anymore. And and um, you know Ashley. You guys both know Ashley. She's she has she the heart of a fucking saint. Like yeah. she wouldn't. You know, like like she's just such a like. Salt. That, she's salt of the earth. She's great. Yeah, yeah. Pre pre pandemic, that was her calling. You know, like and it was recreation. So it was it was all about the fun stuff. It was all about the connection. It was all about. Um, it had nothing to do with the, the bureaucracy. It was all about just, right. I'm here to make you feel like this is your home. And that was her job. And then they, took that, away from, they took that away from her. And then they made her stand there and hold iPads while family members watched their family member die. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. and that was my wife's job. Yeah. And so she was like, I've, I can't, like she, she broke. She, she broke. She spent, we're, she was broke and she broke because she spent a bunch of money on this in schooling to fucking go do this and now she can't do it anymore because it's a fucking it's a mess so anyway yeah no listen like it's 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 great that she's that she has that um yeah and you couldn't combine those two careers unless you cooked the old people or something once they die but like <laughs> like those are really opposite careers right like there's not... yes and then but you don't get to get very creative with how you cook because everything has no, no salt, everything's no fucking either pureed or well done you what know? are you so... eating stew <laughs> See, literally it's yeah, stewart let's put it that's, what I mean. that, that's the joke i didn't have to don't explain the joke <laughs> it's good on its own two feet. <laughs> no, so she went off to do that. So what we've done, back to your original question with getting sauced, is we've 
integrated that, Ashley is now the formal co-host of Getting Sauce the Podcast or Getting Sauce the Barbecue Playlist. Oh, perfect. I think we're going to have to rename now. And uh, she's going, and and the first episode airs this weekend. And uh, I actually, I put a little promo clip out on Twitter tonight. Uh, So if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see it there. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was wild. It was, uh, it was something else. So that's good. She's, she's good content too. She's hilarious. She's happy. she's one she's one of the funniest people. She is, and 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 that clip that I put out tonight is her being funny. So yeah. it's it's but, perfect. Like she's she's fantastic. But she doesn't like to be the face that much, though. Was my sense of her. When, but she'd rather be more in the background. So is this like a big step for her coming out? Like I know that she would sometimes come on the show, but most most preferably she'd rather stay in the background. Yeah. So is this? She's um, it's funny. She she says that, and she does act that way. But she knows how to command a crowd, and like, and, okay. and, yeah, and and I I don't think she I don't think she knows it. I think it's a subconscious thing where she can actually just like steer a conversation, especially on the air. And she's like, she just does a fantastic job. So like, it was, it was. So she's funny. a really we were, good. If I just may for a second, like I I've never actually met you or actually in the flesh, but like, um, she on the phone. I've had uh, a couple of a pretty intense conversations with her about certain things or whatever yeah she is so easy to talk to about really like you know um heavy things right like yeah she's generous yeah. she listens she yeah. offers she understands 100%. like all that kind of stuff so she's really like like she's super likable you know mm-hmm. yeah no she's uh, great. guys give she, me one second she's, I got, she's actually a good human like she's got, a way better go human a, than i am i, I have to go pee she's a really yeah, yeah. good human i've been squirming for 10 minutes i have to go, go. Okay. So yeah, so that's uh that's that's where we are now. So the first episode comes out this weekend. Army Chris is actually flying in from Edmonton on the let me look at the calendar really quick. It's uh it's coming up. Apparently I can't operate a calendar while I'm on uh restream. But anyway, in like two weeks. <laughs> that's okay. Army Chris will be here on like the Thursday night. He's coming in, he's flying in from Edmonton. He's gonna be here for a uh a big extended weekend that we're going to have up in Wabashine, like up north and all the guys from revolution radio are coming. We're all going to go up there and we're doing like, it was all, it's almost like a, like a summit, like a retreat. So everybody that has a show, we're all going to do a show from there. We're going to record some stuff. We're going to, we're going to do some things. Yeah. It's going to be some, it's going to be some, uh, it's going to be some good fun. Yeah. It'll be fun. Oh, that's so fantastic. Yeah, and this, Wade, uh, Wade from uh, you know Wade Polloway, you know our friend Wade. Yes. So Wade's coming yes. to Ontario as well. So we're gonna have Wade yes. just before Chris gets here. Um, to go, I don't know if we're gonna uh, like. I, I don't even know the plan, Wade. You haven't even told us if if we're we're hanging out or if we're meeting you for dinner. Um, and then, um, he's leaving, and then his neighbor from Edmonton is showing up. So. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna miss each other's paths. It's gonna suck. But I was hoping that they would kind of like cross streams and and be here at the same time. But it doesn't look like it's gonna work out that way. Oh, yeah, it sucks. <clears throat> but um, you're um with the with the, the debut of this. Is there anything else planned, or you're right now? It's just this phase at the moment. What do you mean? Like for the show? 
yeah for the show well, it's the same show that we've been doing like we took a, we took um a couple of weeks off like in august just because it's summer and we wanted okay. to have a couple of weeks off but then when ashley's transition happened with her career it was like well now that you're actually an industry pro <laughs> you know you are now the co-host of the and she's like i'm what i'm like yep yeah, sit down <laughs> here's your mic <laughs> we're gonna talk right so you gotta listen it's, oh. it's a good one it's it's fun so it is yeah um james i um since we're talking about it we have the promo so oh, uh let's do it maybe we should yeah, yeah. Uh, play it play it yeah well, what we're, are you guys I, doing i put it up there for you hold on hold on we're talking about you here we're, oh. we're, pump, uh, we're pumping oh, you, up. Okay, here. you all right here we go this is the getting sauced barbecue playlist on revolution radio canada okay I want to play a game with you. Let's go. About food. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're going to play a game called Who Has to Go? Tacos, burgers, gyros, pizza. One of them has to go. One of them has to go forever. Oh my God. What are you doing to me? (laughs) It's like an F. Mary kill kill for. Yeah. Yeah. Except delicious food. Except I have to kill all of them except for one. And that's just (laughs) pretty much. I don't even get to f the taco. I'm so upset. this yeah <laughs> so it's it's not all like it's not all just like boring food shit it's it's just fun 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 chat so the question that i asked her and i was going to come on here to ask you guys was what has to go and the Wait, question what are the was choices tacos, again? tacos burgers euros or pizza and one you of them goes one of them goes you're gonna have and, and the rest stay euros 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 are gone out of those yep. choices, Holy yeah. Shit, really? Out of those choices, yeah. Wow. Euros, Euros, the one that I'd have the most difficulty getting gluten free. <laughs> That's true. I so guess. for me, it was easy. <laughs> okay, there, so there are certain th- places that like that like killer shawarma is one of those things yeah. that like if that was on that list, I might get rid of tacos. Like, yeah. like you know, like tacos are okay, but like. There's very generic kind of run-of-the-mill tacos. And then once in a while, you just find, like, an oasis of fucking perfection like, when it comes to yeah, Have you perfect. ever been to California? Well, you know, you know, hang on, before before I answer that, you know what I say about it? It's Mexican food in general is the same guy in a different shirt every time. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Am I wrong? You're racist, probably, but not wrong. It's a little racist, but everything's a deconstructed version of something else. And that's what I mean. Like, and they all park their cars on the lawn. But it's tasty, tasty, tasty deconstruction. Park the cars on the lawn. (laughs) Jesus Christ! No, seriously, it is. It's it's just a different version. Do you want a taco? Okay, so we'll fold it up and make it crispy. Do you want a quesadilla? Okay, we'll fold it over and make it soft a little bit and kind of crispy on the outside. It's all the same shit in the inside, right? So enchilada, chimichanga. I get it, but it's delicious as 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 all get out. Absolutely, but. what okay how about this how about let's let's flip the script a little bit um i love really awesome dining experiences right like like yeah like same. in person like I, I i you know i'm sit down expensive restaurants like that kind of thing like like not yeah. necessarily exorbitantly pricey but you know you're, you're paying for yourself if you have a glass of wine like a hundred dollars or something like that right like at least um would you get what would you get rid of italian french japanese Right, and what would a fourth be? 
steakhouse. American cuisine? Steakhouse. Steakhouse. Yeah, American cuisine. Yeah, like just like just go steakhouse, like a highs like or steak something burgers, like fries, that kind of shit. No, 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 no. no, no. It has to be so, fan, so fancy, high. fancy Italian, fancy French, oh. fancy Japanese, or fancy steakhouse. Which one? Which one do you get rid of? Shit. Probably French. I think if I get rid of. I think so too. I would have to same same thing because everything has freaking weed in it. Yeah, all the it's and sauces butter. and all the sauces. Yeah. Oh, it's all sauce. Awesome. Yeah, it's all butter. Everything's but, butter everything's and flour, based, right? Yeah, so I, the, the, the the French would have to go. It, probably because I'm half okay. Italian. When I go to like like I went to an Italian restaurant with a couple of people um, in New York. Uh, what is it? Two weeks ago or something like that. I, I can't remember the name. Um, I'll find it though and, and and talk about it next week or something because it was so good. When I, but when I go to an Italian restaurant like in Goodfellas kind of thing, I literally feel like I go from fifty percent Italian to one hundred and eighty seven eighty seven percent Italian. Like I am, I am all there. I am like breaking bread and dipping it in the sauce and sipping my guzzling wine and talking in the conversation. And I don't know. It's my favorite thing in the whole wide world. Is to is to be with good conversationalists in a fancy Italian restaurant. You know, spitting while I talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. You see, I picked uh, because our next question was, or sorry, the third third part of that. You're right. Like it, it's kind of on the same um, vein of what you're saying here. Was which um, cuisine has to go? And I said Italian, Indian, American style, or Chinese. But I didn't say Asian because I. And that was selfish because I was like, I can't get rid of Japanese food. So I'll just put like Chinese food, like traditional um, North, North American Chinese food. Right? Oh, Chinese is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In that case, it would be Chinese. Yeah, okay. But have you guys ever Ita- had? Yeah. I said Italian just because I'm not a pasta guy. I'm not a pasta or oh, bread guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? But see, but, see, but that's the thing, right? I, I, went to, I went to Italy uh, about eight years ago. I was there for about a week in the Como area. And I thought I was really going to suffer. I ate like a king. Mm. There are so many other options that are not the fish, or not bread. The yeah. fish alone cooking that's just amazing. I ate like a king. Although I searched all of the region, I think I went to every single freaking pizzeria in the region, hoping that someone made an authentic Italian pizza that happened to be gluten free, and that was sacrilege. <laughs> it just not. It really is. It was not happening. Really, like you might as well it's just really stop white. eating pasta if you're not going to have gluten. Pasta. I know. But by the way, they use was... a different flour over there in Italy, um, and it doesn't bloat a lot of people who normally get bloated by North American pasta. So there's mm-hmm. that. I don't know what that See, is. And, and that's a th- and and that's what I, like I've heard the same thing about like pasta Must in Italy different hits different, obviously. Yeah. But there's also and and people are bringing it up. There's other dishes in Italy that I do love, like like mm-hmm. the seafood. Italian seafood is like some of the best. Southern Italian seafood is like you can't fucking beat it, right? My ancestors but, are from uh, uh, Abruzzi, um, yeah, in, in, near near the city of Pescara called Fiori. Actually, um, that's yeah, where my oh, relatives wow. come from. Um, but uh, I have I have never been to Italy. It's it's my bucket list place. One of them. Yeah. Um, but I used to eat. Uh, you know, when I was a little kid, I used to go to Montreal and eat at my Italian relatives' houses, mm-hmm. and. It was like just the most spectacular food ever, and and you know when I was a kid, I was eating fish and oysters and all this crazy stuff. Like it was amazing, and yeah, um, yeah I don't know. Like it's it, there's so much variety from north to south. It's like might as well be four or five different countries. The way the cuisine differentiates from like Sicily, yeah. you know, up to Naples or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. let's trash it up a bit. And this was the the other question that what? was in this, this category. You ready? Ooh. 
what one has to go? Wendy's, McDonald's, KFC, or Harvey's? KFC. Yeah, I'd have to say the same thing again. Harvey's has the best pick. It's the wheat thing. There's just nothing for me at KFC. Oh yeah, you're yeah, because you're you're gluten free, eh? You know what KFC is is KFC is like. uh, Otherwise, KFC would stay though, because I loved it as a kid before before whatever it is that kicked in that made it so. Harvey's discerning tastes. Harvey's now sucks. Harvey's, I loved Harvey's when I was a kid. But they and changed everything. Something must have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Any restaurant that went from fresh cut fries to those frozen battery fries can yeah. just go fuck themselves. Like of of those four, Wendy's is the place at which I've had actually the actually the best experience. Really? Of those. What's four your favorite two? thing there? Uh, Curly fries. To be totally honest, you know what? I've only been there two or three times because I never I never went because I never assumed I I, I mean. I didn't go to fast food places at all yeah. until Subway had the gluten-free bun, and I figured out an A&W actually let, let me know that they actually they don't shred their lettuce so that they can actually like wrap the burger in lettuce so that I, when I'm sitting at a table with everyone else, yeah. I can eat it like with my hands like everybody else and not be some freak eating it with a knife <laughs> and a fork. I can actually like participate with everyone and be a human. <laughs> Pick up the damn burger. Yeah, and it's like I went to Har- I went to Harvey's and asked, and I was like, "Oh, sorry, we shred all our lettuce." <laughs> Fuck! What does that? How does that help me? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like. Shred- I I, I kind of I all sprinkled over, and then you're just holding the patty, and you got like ketchup on your fingers. And- uh, Anthony Bourdain, Anthony Bourdain, Ryan, I think you know this. Um, yeah. it used to, he, I saw a segment or whatever a clip where he was mm-hmm. talking about the perfect burger is a burger that you can eat with one hand and nothing falls out. That's He's right. Like that is the litmus test of a perfect burger. Now, and it has to be tasty and well cooked and everything beyond that. But yep. if you have to use two hands and shit is falling out of it, that's why the Whopper sucks. You know, no, the Whopper is literally the best yeah, I, fucking fast food burger on the fucking market, and it's garbage, and it's so good. But it's I don't garbage, I don't like the falling out of shit. That's what I don't oh, like. Dude, yeah. you got to get it with extra onion and extra mayo. That's the best burger there is. No, a is uh, a and w worth rank, being ranked on any list? A and w is amazing. A and w is good. Um, I just I just. We don't go there anymore just because I don't know what happened to their prices. Their prices are yeah, fucking I, insane now. That's why I don't go to Subway yeah. anymore. Yeah. Did you Except hear they got bought out by Arby's? Well, oh, no. The same parent company that Arby's owns Arby's just bought Subway. So <laughs> that's what I said. Lachlan was all excited, right? Because Lachlan's like a huge Arby's guy. So Lachlan's like, oh, this no. is going to be great. And I, and I, and I was on uh, the locker room uh, last week, and I said, yeah, so we can have 12 inches of explosive diarrhea now with a bacon and cheese or a, or a, a beef and cheddar, foot long beef and cheddar. So you can just have like, you know, not, not, for like no, not, for nothing, of- not for nothing, Ryan, but 12 inches of explosive diarrhea is my porn name. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's not my diarrhea. Yeah, it was I, it was crazy. I couldn't believe they they, they actually uh, the, the um, quote unquote healthiest um, of the fast food chain. Was bought out by the absolute basement. Do, do you know fucking bottom 
dwelling. It's, I it's fucking not just, hate Arby's. I'm sorry. I hate Arby's. Everyone hates Arby's is the nickelback of restaurants, really. But, um, <laughs> the, but the idea. I worked there for three uh, weeks. How did you get I the smell out? How did you yeah. like figure out a way to get that out of your skin? Like oh. right next, Ar- there was an Arby's about a block and a half from my high school, and I was looking for my first job. Okay. Like around the time I was like 15, 16, that wasn't delivering newspapers. So I went to the other uh, Arby's and we had an interview and I said, you know, it's, the, you know, it's like, I, I do want to get some work experience, mm-hmm. but my grades are really, really, really important. And my school is really important. So I can't work more than 12 hours a week and I can't close within three days. I was closing within four days. I was picking up shifts of everybody that was sick. I was working something like 32 hours a week in my second week. Oh. Yes. And by the end of the third week or somewhere around the fourth, maybe I worked about a month, they called me into the office and I accepted every single shift every time somebody was sick and people hated working there because there was somebody sick all the time. Yes. <laughs> I, know, I know. And then I came, yeah. and then they came in I and this is, spoke about you know, this. Douglas, we've been watching you and, and I've taken every shift and showed up on time and worked till the end and did everything. We get the feeling that you don't really want to work. Yeah, you brought this up on the show before. I do remember this conversation before. And I was like, just so incensed. And you have to understand that back then at that age, right? If the walls were beige, I would wear beige. Right. I did not pipe up. I did not make those eyes just floating around over there. That's fucking crazy. (laughs) Seriously. Seriously. Quiet as a mouse. Wouldn't speak unless spoken to. Just, and I just like, oh. And then I went went to the bag, went to cut change, packed my uniform, left it on the desk and said, see ya, fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what, kid, listen, would, would either one of you be surprised if you found out that Arby's roast beef was really made from mummy flesh? No. Because no. I wouldn't. I, and I used to work beside a mummy when I worked in the ROM. I'm telling you, it's the same color and everything. And it just... Smell. See, same it, smell. It, I, I never understood how the restaurant... I thought, honestly, it was just the front for drug laundering. For, Actually, for, I... I I heard that they actually preserve or they, they moisturize the skin of that mummy with the horsey sauce. Which is really just mayonnaise left out in the sun. Yeah. Yeah. There's not even horseradish in it. It just got so sour that it tastes like there's horseradish in it. Yeah. Now with extra pea flavor. Oh, so funny. Yeah. It, it, but yeah, it, no, I was uh, I was shocked when I heard uh, I heard that. But yeah, no. So anyway, we we had this big long discussion about that. We also had a discussion on the show about um, death row meals and why we're so fascinated with what the person eats for their last meal. Like you ever notice that, like us as a society, just what did he say last? What were his last words? And what did he eat? What was his last words and what was his last meal? Like it's it, like there's literally like societies dedicated to this fucking it's information. It's experiential marketing. It, it's interesting to us because we can all relate to 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 what our choice would be. Right. Well, the like, funny thing is, I still have my notes from the show sitting right here. Do you guys want to hear some really funny funny bits? Yes, I'm sure you just happen to have those notes in front of you, Ryan. Yes. I do. They're still sitting here. We just recorded the show yesterday. So oh, okay. Um. So you remember Eileen Warnos? Nope. Remember, yes. the, remember Charlize Theron played monster? Yes. Yes, yes. Okay, so the the the, the woman that she played was oh, okay. obviously like she was a real person, right? What was her last meal? And it was um she declined a custom meal cuz you can like you can make a request for your last meal, right? And if the warden actually like grants it, you can get whatever the fuck you want. And there's some pretty f- crazy ones here which are there's one that has 
some intent and I know it has intent because it would have been my intent. And when I was reading about it, I'm like, that motherfucker is me. Like if I was on death row, I'm going to tell you why in a second. So anyway, she declined a custom meal. She got burgers, snacks, and a coffee. Okay. John Wayne Gacy. You know what John Wayne Gacy's last meal was? Veal. Um, Pogo the clown or Patches the clown as he was known. 12 deep fried shrimp. A bucket of KFC and one pound of strawberries. Okay. The strawberries, Ted Bundy. The strawberries are like the gross part of that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Ted Bundy didn't pick one. He refused to pick one. He was given a standard meal of steak, eggs, and hash, and he uh, didn't eat it. At least he got to get high. <laughs> and he went and he died. Yeah, the other kind of oh, right. <laughs> And do you want to know how you know someone's a psycho? This is where, like, I, 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 we brought this up in the show. I said, this is how you know this guy was pathological, was Timothy McVeigh, the Oklahoma City bomber. Do you know what his last meal was? Freedom fries. Uh, no. <laughs> Sorry. No. So think about this. Like, like, deconstruct this while we talk about it, okay? He was given two pints of mint chip ice cream. That was it. So, let's say it's you. Is he diabetic? If you were able to have <laughs> two pints and change them around, why wouldn't you get two different flavors? Like, you could have got anything. Well, he was committed. We all know right? this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, joke. I don't know if that one was intentional. It was intentional, obviously. <laughs> accidental. <laughs> See, that's my special skill is I hear all the accidental puns. The most the most interesting that one that I found for the show yeah. was a guy named Victor Ferger in nineteen sixty three. You know what his request for a last meal was? A Ferger burger. No, in nineteen sixty three he asked the, the oh, warden for a single olive that still had a pit inside of it. So that when he was what buried, it would grow an olive tree as a sign of peace. I don't think that's how seeds work, but okay. <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> Stomach now, acid. Anyways. Yeah. Here's, here's my hero, okay? And it's, obviously, it's not, I don't even know what crime he committed. It was obviously some sort of capital murder. But why he's my hero is because of his choice. Because this is me. This is me. If I was up on death row, I would do this. His name was Peter J. Miniel, okay? And his last meal request, which he was granted, was 20 tacos and enchiladas, two double cheeseburgers, a jalapeno pizza, and some fried chicken. And do you know why? I swear to God. It was so that when they flipped the switch, he would just explode. Like his fucking, his <laughs> pants would just explode. Those witnesses, you know how they have the, the witness box of people that go in to watch a, a capital yeah. punishment? Their horror was not the death. <laughs> it was what was emanating from that man's anus as he was executed. What a great way to go. Do you think anyone in the gallery oh, hey. do you think anyone in the gallery started masturbating when that happened? Because that would be even weirder. <laughs> oh. That'd be even more gross, right? <laughs> My wife just walked in. Actually, she just finished her uh, a shift at 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 uh, at her at her um, at her cooking job. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Ashley. Douglas Don't make it awkward hi. for everyone. James says hi. She's she's sending kisses, but she doesn't want to come Hello. on camera. No, no, dude. She just worked she's a shift in, work in the mode. kitchen. She just yeah. worked a shift in the kitchen. All she wants to do is get drunk. 
All she wants then to do is get show. drunk. Yeah. Oh, then come on. Hi. Hi, Ashley. Yeah, there you are. Hello, gorgeous. Wow, you look great. Hello. How are oh, yes, you? Hello. You I look you, so nice. You smell you like a wonderful. deep fryer. I am the deep How many F-bombs oh. did you hear in the kitchen tonight, if you were to guess? Um, are we including the ones that I dropped? Yes. Like yes. like 767. There you go. And That's a, a kitchen, shift. baby. I, That's a kitchen. kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. I might that. have told so the guy, fuck your hat. <laughs> minutes later mean? it was stuck to his know. head I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> so anyway that's what you're going to hear on the new getting sauce podcast which premieres this weekend on revolutionradio.live and eventually on some sort of platform we have it so that the bumpers cut out the um the music so that we won't get kicked off but you're going to hear it soon yeah so that's what we're doing okay well good for you to answer your exact- question that's exactly what you short. should that's exactly what you should be doing can we just trash subway for a quick second yeah, please. Can you yes, please explain to me? Really can you please? What's that? The bread that's not really well, bread. Well, there's a whole bunch of things, and you, we could get into all of that shit. But I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah. As an, as, Listen, again, my Italian gene kicks in. I know how to make a fucking sandwich. If you ever want to have, like, a gourmet deli sandwich, I am your guy. I, okay. I that That is one of my specialties. Um, it's like breathing for me. I don't really. I'll drizzle that olive oil on it. I will put sautéed onions on it. But the one thing that bothered with, 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 like, uh, with like a spicy mortadella and maybe like a Genoa. Um, I crack a little bit of pepper on that, put tomato, salt, pepper, and do, do the drizzle and the little fucking uh-huh. like arugula, all that shit. Why do they put the mustard on the fucking meat and not the bread? Yes. Right. What in the all actual the fuck is that? I get them to do it and they look at me like the training yeah. that they have is so embedded that it doesn't even compute. And I'm like, you know how every other sandwich in the history of sandwiches are made? Where the shit, yeah. the butter, whatever you're using, the mayo, it goes on the fucking bread. Yeah. And you put the lettuce so yes. that the lettuce will stick to the wetness and not get all fucked up. Yes. Then yes. you put the meat, yes. then you put the tomato, then you put the cheese, then you put maybe arugula or something like that. And then yep. you put mustard on the top, even if you want to be daring and shit. Yeah. And then you cut it diagonally in half and it looks great. You motherfuckers are robbing us and yes. giving us dry bread 100%. sandwiches. You fucks. Preach. Yes. Preach. You know? God damn. Mm. No, you're ab- you're absolutely right. Um, there, I have to give them props for one sandwich, and there's a specific way to eat it that Chicken actually club. isn't terrible, and it's the Italian BMT. Mm. You have to tell them not to put the ham on it. That's right. <laughs> That's fucking right. How? I know it is. Holy shit! Yeah. You and me. Yeah. See, so the thing, but there's also another. You have to tell them to toast it and grill it. Okay. So when you get it, they toast it and grill it so that it has the grill marks on the top. It gets a little crunchy on the outside, stays soft in the middle. Real cheddar. Real shredded cheese. If you go to a Subway and they don't have shredded cheese, you light that motherfucker on fire. Because, <laughs> sorry, I'm I'm instigating. Uh, I'm going to be Donald Trump next. Can anyway, you cut the rectangles of cheddar cheese into little strips then? disgusting. <laughs> oh, that stuff is so gross. Yeah. But that's not a bad one. Now, do you know what BMT stands for? No. This is kind of yes. cool. Uh, no. <laughs> thought I did, but I don't. It's the Boston Manhattan transfer. It's an actual fucking train ah, out of New York City. And it's, it stands for the Boston Manhattan transfer. So, okay. yeah. so if they get to Boston, they're putting mustard on the meat. But I agree <laughs> with, I or think it was Ellen in the comments yeah. earlier when we started this conversation, <laughs> Mr. Sub over Subway any day. Oh, I can still smell Mr. Sub, and it's nostalgic for me. 
It's so good. There's always yeah. someone going down on Mr. Sub. Oh, Mr. <laughs> going down on Mr. Sub. They had good hot peppers. That's Mr. Sub had good hot peppers. Yes, and pickles. Their pickles were fucking fire. Yeah, their, their bread were, was better. Yep, always softer. It was crusty on the outside and soft in the middle. It was always better. Yeah, that's like me. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. There you go, Douglas. I we found be, his. We found his uh, beaver. I lodge should be name. bread. I'm gonna be bread, Mister Sub. No, go Mr. out as a hoagie for Halloween this year, Mister Sub. Now we're gonna have to find a Mister Top. <laughs> How about a Mrs. Oju? Mister Dom. Mrs. Oju. Mrs. Oju. Yeah, no, it's true. It's um, same. Same with you know what I fell in love with when they when they came out was um, Firehouse. Firehouse subs. You guys had those. Okay. No. Nope. So there's it, it's it was a chain. It was a small chain, but it was really really good. And guess what happened? They got no. bought by fucking Subway. Oh. And I'm I haven't been back since. I, I, so I shouldn't judge. They're probably still the same. They're just owned by the same parent company. But just the idea of what you went from Firehouse Subs to being owned by Jared the pedophile. See, I'm going to sound like a right winger now. Those pedophiles and their subs. No, did you um, see the documentary? No. It was disturbing the things that that guy was caught saying on tape. Oh, really? Oh, my dude, God. Dude, I haven't watched I it. found oh. out there's some, like, today famous people, today relevant people, comedians even, that are that were buddies with that guy. That oh, I yeah. was like, I was shocked. And, they're, and they, they openly talk about it now. They're like, I had no fucking idea. <laughs> he just seemed like a fucking, like, loser, like a vanilla square guy kind of thing, right? Like, he didn't seem... But who knows? Like then, if you watch the documentary, you look back and you're like, "Well, look at the glasses. Those are Dahmer glasses, for one thing." I don't trust anyone that has those glasses. I really don't, unless no. they're shades. But they can't be. But 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 the ones that are like half shades, and half not shades that darken when you get in the sun. And then, yeah. if you see a guy wearing glasses like that, that have that bar in the middle and the bar on top, yeah, man, mm -hmm. the aviator pedophile glasses are a bad look. And they just makes people look like, yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do mm. that. It's so fucking. Kid Linda goes, it's the vanilla guys you have to watch out for. Oh my god, yeah, you sister, like mm, you are right. He was like Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> he, he, he was he was sim he had the same glasses. Hindsight and he being twenty twenty, you're absolutely right. Like when you look at him and you listen to the way he talked, like even his cadence of speech was yeah, kind of off putting. There was a woman who was a reporter, just to give a little bit of background, um, who. He he. They did an event together. She was like, I can't remember what she. She worked like in a communications office or something like that, and then was a reporter for a paper that had to interview him. And he like flirted with her or whatever. So she like talked to him on the phone and stuff. And then one day he just was like, Yeah, you know, they were talking, they were flirting or whatever. And he's like, Yeah, you know, we should go out one day and find find a girl who's really young. And then it eventually progressed to she had an eight and a nine year old, and he was like. Would you put cameras in the room so I can see them naked? And it's just like, uh, whoa. And this poor woman ended up working for the FBI and like they tried to do this sting operation, but the FBI was like, We 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 know these are disgusting things, but we don't have any hard evidence that he's actually done anything. Mm -hmm. And so it took fucking like the FBI was investigating him for like six years before they finally arrested him. Holy fuck, what happened wow. in those six years? In those six years, he went to Thailand and bragged about the seven-year-old kid that he fucked. 
Like they, 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 you know, he, he's oh. continued having these conversations with this woman, but really it Jesus was his, uh, he had a spokesperson at the foundation that he worked at or, or whatever the position was of this person, um, who was like a stepdad or whatever, who was supplying Jared with child porn in the form of hidden cameras in his stepdaughter's bedrooms. And eventually the reason why he got caught is because that guy, uh, when all his devices were taken, it showed that he had emailed and texted a ton of child porn to Jared over what the years. The and that's fuck? how we finally got arrested. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it took fucking years, man. Like, it's just, oh, he's so gross. And he's out of jail in like fucking, I don't know, three years. He got, he got sentenced to 15 what? years. Got sentenced to 15 years in prison in like 2010 or something like that. Oh, seriously? Yeah. So he's going to be, he was gonna be like years. one of those like dangerous offenders. We never see him again. The prosecution was only recommending 12. He had really? 13 victims. So, so what, was, the judge overruled it and said, fuck you, I'm giving you more? <laughs> the judge overruled it and said 15. It was Good. within the judge's capacity to give him 50. So oh, that's why there's QAnon people are like, we're, the whole world is run by pedophiles because of that shit. Yeah, see, okay. A broken clock is right twice a day, right? <laughs> it's actually not because there's no fluidity in time. No, and, and I get it. I get it. Because you know what? If he would have given him 50 years, that would have opened it to an appeal where he could have actually just walked away. So, But that is a problem, too. I, listen, a, a lot of, of law is. people don't believe in mandatory minimums. But I think no. they're too ideological about that. I think in clear-cut cases of things like child rape... 100%. Where it is indisputable evidence, there should be mandatory minimums, and each victim should carry a sentence of at least ten years. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And yeah, I think the only reason that uh, these these crimes are charged so low when it comes for kids is because at the time that these laws were determined, they determined based on the the value of the person to society. And since kids don't work, they don't pay taxes, they don't run corporations. If you hurt a kid, that's gross. Like, they don't have a right, law. They don't have gross. a lobby because group. They don't have a lobby. You group. do the exact, you do the exact same thing that you did to a kid, to an adult male. And you're going to go to jail for way more than when you were less than one year per kid. Yeah, how fucked is that though? But if you do it to it, and if you do it to a female, you go to jail less than a male and the kid, you go less than, but I mean, and, or someone who's, you know, disabled or something but if it seems like if you prey on the people the least able to defend themselves or or to or to pay into the you, you tax roll pay, or yeah, vote like this, you, yeah. get, you get lesser system they don't have a lobby they don't have representation yeah. you're that's right that's all it is yeah. Yeah. yeah but it seems that the sentences were were deemed at a time where what's your value to society i hate so, i hate to i hate to admit because you're today right. if we were if we were designing those laws today it would be the other way around yeah yeah, I hate yeah, to admit you're. You have, I, I hate to admit that you're. I think you're right, and I hate that we haven't like at least moved the needle on that. You know, like or at least tried. I don't know why nobody's running on that. That would be some. That would be a sure. It fight. totally would be. A right winger might run on that. Molestation crimes against against kids. Boom. But yeah, they, they like always this, go too far, I'm, James. Right? Like they always go like yes. yeah. either extreme side always goes too far on the 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 yeah. hot button issue. So this one. Yeah. They, they'll say that they're going to do that, but at the same time, scream that Joe Biden and Justin Trudeau are pedophiles. So nobody I know, I know this sounds thing. awful, but, you know but, I mean? but looking at it strategically, the only people that could do that successfully, whether they were on the left or the right or a centrist, are, uh, would be apparent where it happened to their kid. If that guy or girl ran, if that man or woman ran, ran and, and not politicized the death of their own child, but was like, but was really just forthright about it, 
Yeah. I had a tragedy in my family and it made me hyper aware of the injustice that takes place when it comes to sentencing pedophiles. And yeah. so you may look at me as a one issue candidate and you might be right, but I think something needs to be done. If they were very earnest about their position instead of like trying to be dramatic and, and a little yeah. theatrical about it, you know, then, then I think they could work. Um, yeah. So like, how about those well, whoppers, a, boys? Was, yeah. How about That's probably that the number Arby's one grooming stuff. food in North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> That and the candy Whopper whoppers. Juniors. Remember whoppers, the, the the candy that would melt in your mouth, the uh, the little balls. I'm sorry, but that's what they were. Oh, I see. See now you're just now you're just oh, getting dark. Whoppers. See now you're talking Melty about balls, balls and whopper. I'm just saying they were also called whoppers and they're candy. So it's not inconceivable that a guy in, in a the Dairy Queen never had got whoppers. <laughs> Speaking of dad jokes, do you know why the Dairy Queen never got pregnant? Because she's a ginger. No, because the because the Burger King always wrapped his whopper. Uh, <laughs> i know I, I heard you i heard you when i was in the green room talking about your kid <laughs> oh, dad fuck. jokes yeah my, my dad joke was because she's a ginger so i don't know yeah I, I, I didn't get that but okay i i i thought that there was a really funny scene in um in uh entourage where um where they're talking about is it bobby filet who's the ginger chef who's the chef with red hair uh, yeah, uh, the it's, famous it, one. It's Bobby Flay, and yeah, and and or, Ari, or, and Ari is mad because his wife had an affair with Bobby, and he's just like, plus he's a ginger, a genetic <laughs> mistake, and that always <laughs> stuck with me for some reason. I just always, I thought it was the most hilarious line ever. And I, huh, I, <laughs> I, I had friends that were gingers, right? And they always like we just like in high school we had the kick a ginger day. Right, like it was a kick at Ginger Day every year, and it was like gingers will steal your soul if you look at them in the eyes. Like it was just a joke. We loved them, but it's, it was always just like a joke. And they always like it was like people laughed about it. The fucking okay, I'm sorry, I'm gonna use it in a fucking pejorative fucking term, but the don't say my ginger fucking don't movement, the woke oh, okay. movement, fuck Ginger Day, because somebody you can't say that about gingers you can't say that about people with red hair that's just they can't help it they, uh that's not can't. true if they're white you can say whatever the fuck you want that is <laughs> <That's> the rule. <true. laughs> <laughs> it's impossible to race this against white people i know the mantra i didn't say racist <laughs> i did listen <laughs> i i remember i remember ever like I, I listen ginger ginger girls uh. get a pass because every ginger boy I ever knew, and I'm talking ginger about, are nuts, by the I'm way. talking about the pure gingers, the ones with the like blonde eyelashes, right? Oh, yeah, like yeah. those gingers. Never met one in elementary school that wasn't a complete fucking bully or violent. And I know that that's racist. Only it's not because gingers are white, and I can say whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's. I swear to God. I, normally, I'd be like, "That's that sounds like you're profiling," but you're absolutely correct. Every ginger I knew had a violent streak in them, and I think it was because they got kicked a lot. Well, their Ellen, skin. Imagine looking in the mirror and your skin was always blotchy, no matter what you did. Ellen, I was just kidding. <laughs> Nobody actually kicked the gingers on Kick the Ginger Day. It was just a threat. We what they meant by kick the gingers is kick the habit of hanging out with gingers. It was nonviolent. <laughs> no, it's it it was it was it was always in good fun when I was in school. So maybe my experience might be different. It was just funny. Even teachers got involved. <laughs> it's like, is it not ginger day? You know, like if one of the somebody was having a time in a class, it was a joke, right? And then all of a sudden it was like all it, it was it was almost as though you'd stolen their firstborn. 
and yeah, it was. Yeah, could change yeah. Your day. Like I don't know why. Like, all right, let's bring they're, it they're the pie. They, they're, they were. Here, they Paul, were the yeah, you want to run on something? You want my vote? You bring back kick a ginger day. I got you. Got my vote. <laughs> Gingers keep breaking my heart. But gingers also have a tragic existence because what, what what Ari meant on Entourage by genetic mistake is that there is a genetic type yeah. of ginger versus a hereditary ginger, whatever they're called, right? Like where where like a, a, a typical brunette brown eye family will have three kids and one of them even though the woman didn't cheat just happens to come out of ginger that's where redheaded stepchild originates that's why prince harry was told he was the butler's kid by the media for half of his life right like because he he didn't look like anyone you know and that's why he turned out to be the most normal out of the entire lot a little insufferable with the whole mansion surfing documentary that was a little you know yeah, I get it, but he, man's got to eat, right? <laughs> that poor lad. How will we keep the security out of this thirty thousand foot compound? We don't know, Wouldn't but we're thinking of an electric thing, fence. Put yourself in his shoes, James. Seriously, just for a minute. I can't afford them. <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> I'm so literally mean wearing he's... LeBron shoes right now, and I know I can't afford Prince Harry shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Prince Harry, Prince Harry can't jump. Would you? Uh, do do you do you sympathize with him, Douglas? Do you sympathize with Prince Harry, a little bit? Um, well, see, this is another one of those things, right? It's it's almost like the Amber Heard. Like I I just really don't care, um, except True. for the fact that I really liked the show Suits. Okay, <laughs> so I was a fan of Meghan Markle. Mm-hmm as an actress before uh you know and suits was filmed in toronto and she did some yeah. of those readment she was a, and all she was that a patron at cheese boutique by the way big time yeah, there's exactly. actually so a I wheel mean, of her cheese in the vault that i got to so actually see <laughs> i saw megan Markle's cheese, cheese everybody you got to see the royal cheese yeah, i got to see the royal cheese <laughs> so i i might come into the thing biased because i'm predisposed to liking her mm-hmm. right um i it's a weird one for me because I can I, I can clearly 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 understand given what happened to his mother. Oh yeah, that 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 right? alone. Why it is that he would not want his wife to be in the same situation whatsoever? Yeah. You know, and he could just you know he's he's all just a bunch of bitches. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I I can see that because I I don't know royalty. Uh, but I once dated somebody who was in the diplomatic corps, who was an ambassador. Okay. Uh, and I remember going to these like garden parties with him, I guess. And there were rules, you know, about like what you could wear, what you couldn't wear, how you should behave, where you could sit, who you could talk to, how much conversation you have with each side, the topics you don't talk about, all that kind of stuff. And we did all of that, you know. James like, and I would be horrible like, at that party, just so you know. A brand new suit and you know all that kind of stuff and all done and then i see like this like 74 year old man with like this like 28 something in a black tennis skirt and like she's got like like brace plastic bracelets like this all down her arm and she's like you know teased up hair and, and, and i'm looking at my partner and i'm like seriously dude it's 32 freaking degrees Celsius. I'm in a shirt. I'm in a suit. I've got a tie, yeah. and she's wearing a freaking tennis dress. Looking Sorry, like guys. She... My cat's got a mouse, and it's a baby. I have to rescue it. Give me a second. Okay. <laughs> Save the babies. God uh, and I'm podcast. sitting there, and I'm like, and I'm just watching. And then I'm, we're sitting at the table, 
like this. Mm -hmm. And we, I was told that the rules were like, you don't dominate the conversation and don't like spend about equal time spending to every person on each side, except I was at the end of the table. Yeah. I'd be fucking terrible. There was only somebody on this side and, and don't talk across the table. Mm How much that person from the second she got there was trying to get the attention of my partner all the time, dominated the conversation, sat at the same table, talked across from him the entire time, talked to the person to her left, but I was a nobody, never said a word to me. So I was muted for the entire Shut dinner because there was no one on my right and you're not supposed to talk across the table. Oh it was my, my first God. one. I'm following all the rules. So she literally iced me out. What? The entire time. And I was sitting there and I'm looking at, and I'm sitting, and it's just like, and, and he was a great guy, yeah. but after about a year and a half, it's sort of like, wait a minute, there, there are 365 days in a year, and as an ambassador, you go to about like 310 of these things a year, right. and it's always the same people? Oh, uh, this cannot be my life. There's no kidding. <laughs> I, I like you a lot, but I I just can't. Did you Did you get to meet anybody that's actually like notable or? Uh, I didn't get to meet anybody. I, like, I like, met, like, like, I'm, like I'm sure like, they're very nice people, but I mean, like, like, all, all. people that we would all know. Not in that context, no. no. Uh, but the most notable thing that we got to do is one night, uh, Jose Carreras opera singer had come to give a recital uh, at uh, the National Arts oh, Center wow. and he was not doing like classicals greatest hits he was just doing songs that were personal to him really yes and uh, through the I think it was the embassy of Argentina or whatnot like this they had sort of sponsored it and we got like really mind-blowingly amazing seats mm-hmm. for that so that was that was yeah, the really the big nice. thing but and listen the people that I met were really nice and but it was just like there was all these things like you know it's in the summer and you're there and you're wearing your suit and your giant your jacket and you're in someone else's house yeah. and it's like you got all these people in there and it's like 36 degrees celsius and you cannot remove your jacket unless the host does oh christ buddy take your right, fucking coat off <laughs> and, and, and you're sitting there like this but then you get like this you know this like 72 year old like you know colombian man who's like being very very proper and he's always serving always cold anyway like, like this, but always keeping the damn yeah, jacket on. He's always cold. It's proper. He's a thousand years old. Like, I know, but it's because it's proper and it's upper class, and it's just it's like like is and I, and I would be the guy that's like, okay, like put your hands up if everybody's hot. <laughs> yeah, why not? Right? Like, can, can, can we just like ditch the pretense here? You, yeah. <laughs> See, and that and I this, I know this you. That's going way more fun if we're not spitzing. That's going through your mind. <laughs> that would come exactly. out of my mouth though i would like i would actually like try to find a way to make it humorous even for the stiffs to try and make them laugh about it where it would it would like provoke that guy to take his fucking jacket off you know what i mean like i would find a way and if i got thrown out whatever i'll take my jacket off and leave (laughs) i'm good (laughs) so the the stodginess and the stuffiness and the 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 not being able to be yourself and not have it like I can understand like all that, that whole apparatus. Oh my God, she can't wear that. And she can't do that. And you can't talk about that. And, oh, it's like, and I mean, you know, what they were saying in the the interview, they were wondering, it's like, well, oh, I hope that the kid is not too dark or like, like, people are making these comments. Right. So, I mean, I, I can understand it now. Did all of this happen and did it happen in this way? And it was so melodramatic. I don't know, but you know what? It's, it's, it's not a life. I would want, 
at all. Okay. And if I was the spare and I could get out, I probably would do. James, it. James will appreciate this question because and because it's not something that would normally come out of us, and it's going to come out of me today. So, James, you like say, uh, how do you how do you put this to, like delicately? I, I... Don't. Okay. He's very specific. So, okay. So so um. You, you're, uh, you're one, one of your kids dates um, uh, somebody that's of another race, okay? Mm-hmm. We'll say African American. Uh, as long as it's not Portuguese, I'm fine. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. The Italians won't oh, have okay. that. There's a story there. Um, <laughs> but no. And they, they, they're in love. You love, you love your your kid's um, spouse. You like, the, like they're just a part of the family. It's fantastic. Is it really a terrible thing for somebody to just all of a sudden off the cuff be like one day like, I wonder what the kids are going to look like. I wonder no. what the kids are going to look like. No. Well, it's the tone. Like, gee, I wonder what the kids are going to look like. Well, they have his eyes or, gee, I hope the kid doesn't turn out too much. Yeah, but yeah, I, of course, context I don't think that was said, though. She didn't even tone, say it right? was said that way. She was. She literally said, I wonder what the kids are going to look like was the question. So this is why, this is why conservatives hate woke stuff. This is what they define as woke is what you're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. If you get mad at somebody for, for saying that when they actually don't mean it in any negative way whatsoever, of course not. and they still get told, and you know why that is? Cause people, cause and the right looks at it like this and sometimes they're right. Speaking of broken clocks, whatever, but sometimes yeah. they're right that there is a sociology that's pasted onto that where they just um, hair trigger assume the worst case scenario for a person saying that. And and that's what pisses off a lot of people. It's uh, similar to where are you from? I have asked uh, British people that because I didn't know that their accent was actually Australian. For right. example, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's not always. So we err on the side of the worst possible context too much. And I think that's, we don't take enough time to be to try to really figure out what someone's saying. We we hear the keywords and our brains act like search engine racism optimization centers, and we just fucking label people. I think. Yeah, and that and don't get me wrong. The like royal Wade family does not have racist. a great track record. The royal family does not have a great track record. This is on racial relations. Sorry, Wade, so, but this is probably racist. Nice cat, James. Thanks for showing him off. Now I want Chinese food. That's racist. That's see, probably that right. Thank you, Wade, for comment. giving us an example of actual racism. Yeah. See? Everyone's a little exactly. bit racist sometimes. <laughs> so I'm glad we were able to in- inject a little bit of a, of, of, of a real-life scenario. But So I do understand, but we are not binary ones and zeros in, in, in society, right? And I don't think the... Like the question of, and and I can just hear the way they said it too, and and it does. It sounds smarmy because it's fucking the royals, and that fuck the way they talk drives me fucking bananas. <sighs> I wonder what the children would look like. You know, I get it. It sounds fucking horrible if you're thinking on a one way path of these are colonizing pieces of shit. My God, it's torturing. Time, it's Ugh. literally a grandfather or a potential future grandfather or future great grandma just going i wonder what the kids are going to look like 
Well, see that now all of a sudden that, it's, an inter- thing, right? it's an international scandal. Yeah. Well, see that, that that's the thing that that's why I'm saying it's like it's the tone and inflection, right? It's yeah. all the stuff about a message that's beyond the words, the, the look on the face, the eyes that we're not there for. You got to take someone's word for it, right? right? We're not. I'm experiencing anxiety because my cat is literally torturing a mouse right now, and I always feel bad. And he's a murderer. Like right now, he's a legit murderer, and he's having. <laughs> is that fun. mouse dead? No. He, not yet. No. Not a murderer. He looks at it, like, watches it's like it run, aggravated assault at this on point. it, throws it up, bats it, bites it, puts it to another spot, waits for it to move, bats it. And he's torturing. He's beating the shit out of this mouse. Involuntary manslaughter. Look, I got to tell you, it's great. Whose house sense. is it? Now that, it's my house. And now that I have Yeah, but this, it's, an, it's a home invasion. Yeah, but the torturing part, you know? You don't skin a burglar and then make him do somersaults in a vinegar-soaked lawn. You just you ain't hap- been to put my a cap house, in his bitch. ass. Wait, wait, wait. You don't? Yeah, I was going to say, you ain't been to my house, bitch. Somebody goes through that door. You better have packed a lunch, motherfucker. Sorry. It's the somersaults in uh, vinegar part. That just gets to me. Yes, that's true, uh, sweetie, I guess. Um, the vinegar of the crawl space? Yeah. Um, put it by the skin and tent. <laughs> Sorry, uh, do we even have boric acid? (laughs) Well, uh, what would be your last meal? Did you already tell us, Ryan? Uh, No, I didn't. I actually, I was going to ask you guys that because that's another question that we brought up, and I just said it was going to be something, something along the lines, very similar. It was going to be a very greasy seafood esque lobsters and scallops and mussels and um, some turf. I'll have some some steak. A big loaded baked potato, a key lime pie for dessert, and a bunch of draft beer because, boy, oh, boy, that, I swear to God, nobody will nobody will forget. They'll forget the execution, but they won't forget the, the, the show that happens downstairs when they come out of that fucking place. They'll be like, you, you know how everybody always is outside protesting? Yeah. My execution will turn protesters pro execution and be like, yeah, that guy deserved to die. Fuck, that's that's terrible. That's just macabre. The 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 stuff that he ate before he was put to death, that's macabre. We're done. Uh, I, if I if I <laughs> Douglas, what would you where would your last meal be? Um, I would probably just uh, like part of me says, you know, I'd have like lobster and all that stuff oh, yeah. that I really like, and some duck and all that kind of stuff. And then the other part of me says, bread. You got to eat bread. It's to can me a fucking box of the best quality 12 Boston cream donuts yeah. anywhere. Like all gluten the, the fuck out the, of that. Every single freaking birthday cake I had to sing happy birthday to and didn't get a slice of. Hondo <laughs> Just toss them all up. Cake, pies, pies, cookies, donuts, beaver tails, yep. all the all the shit like this. And you know what? I'll even save you the money because I'll go out on my own. You won't even have to show me. <laughs> Give me a <laughs> box just go of gluten in my sleep before you even get me in the store. I would like one intravenous uh, bag yeah. of gluten, please. So I, so I said, you know what? We won't have to worry in 20 years from now about because um, you, you know how like they're having like debates on what is a fair execution and what is a humane execution. I never worry in 20 years that. from now. It'd be like, just give him some peanut butter. In the cell, the like made, smear the peanut butter that. on the wall of the cell, and he'll just he, he will die. It'll be fine. <laughs> I just like, same thing as I was like made before made became legal. Just give me a box of KF, a bucket of KFC. Thank you very much. I'm out of here. <laughs> I, I, I think I would buy. I would try to be strategic 
I try, yeah. like, so if I knew somebody that owned a restaurant, okay. I'm quite resourceful. I would get away with this. I would say to the warden, can I order from that restaurant? He'd be like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. The first thing I would order would be a two-hour pre-dinner health shake spiked with a quarter ounce of Jedi mind fuck mushrooms. Okay. I, I would get my friend who owns a restaurant to blend it in there, make it look like it's fucking, oh, you know, uh, fucking, what, what do you call it? What's the brown wheat germ and fucking like, you know, kale and all this shit. And yeah. then there would be six six or seven I grams of wait. that shit. I can't wait to hear your last words. And Purple that, monkey dishwasher. <laughs> I'm quite intellectual on mushrooms, actually, unless your name is Rain. Then I suck. <laughs> my brother just told me the secret go of the to the clip john yeah but but no but and, and then i would because uh, I, I don't know if it's like this for everybody but for me whatever is the most powerful munchies you've ever experienced on weed times that by like 20 and that's what it's like eating when you're on shrooms like an oh, hour really? four when you're kind of done your peak but you're still pretty tripping oh i could eat a well yeah we've had roast. nights we've had yeah. nights where we we've spoken on the phone where you're tripping out and you yeah. got like a fucking roast beef cooking at like eleven o'clock at night. I'm like, what are I'm you about, doing? I'm I'm sober right now. I'm about to cook a strip loin with uh, the quinoa that I made earlier this afternoon. Okay, well that, yeah. that that's a normal meal though, a strip loin. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, you were doing like Prime full rib. roasts yeah. at some points. Like <laughs> I'm doing this. I got two I was, pounds of two, beef, Ryan. I'm like, it, holy fuck, James. It was two point four kilograms actually. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I, I do. I remember, and I <laughs> that's ate exactly like, what it was. I ate two pounds of it or something. I ate so much of that. Yes. Yeah, it was wonderful. I loved it. Yeah. And, and it just feels like every bite feels like your first bite of food. <laughs> it's so amazing. And then oh. I would order, then I would do typical Italian. I would have like, uh, I would get like really good Sicilian snails in like a good tomato pepper sauce kind of thing. Um, I would eat, uh, I would probably just go for a traditional like, um, like a penne arrabbiata kind of thing, but like you know, a nice gourmet shit. Yeah, calamari, like tiramisu. Mm -hmm. If I could find a way to get a bottle of Chianti in there, I'd do that. God, you know, damn. Yeah. Now I'm oh. hungry. Yeah, me too. I'm gonna Ashley I'm gonna end the show home. now actually because it's eleven it's eleven forty one and I still haven't eaten dinner. <laughs> oh well, you better go. You got to. Yeah, guys, it was awesome. Ryan, thank you for the surprise visit. I love um, you. Ryan. It's good to see you guys. Good to see you too, man. Big shout out to Dean uh, Blundell and to Spenny, aka Spencer Rice, for joining as well. Sad I missed them both. Shout out to Ashley. Shout out Who to my cat. Cameo. Um, yes, another cameo. Yeah, cameo. 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 Oh wow! Thank you. See, you should save that for your kid, James. Your oh, kid I'll should recycle. Have that joke. You can recycle with kids. It's great. That's true. Yes. Yeah. Um, but listen, thank you guys so much. Um, I appreciate it. Ryan, we'll talk soon. Douglas, I'll see you probably uh, in the chat of your show uh, come Monday. Yes. Happy Labor right, Day, buddy. boys. Yes. Happy Labor Day. Happy guys. Labor Day. Later, Ryan. Love you guys. Thanks, Douglas. Oh, that was fun. And two hours and 40 minutes. Holy shit. I feel like I just looked at the clock a second ago and it was one hour and 20 minutes. Well, that is crazy. Um, thank you, everyone, uh, for, for listening. And uh, I have Sherry DeNovo on Sunday at 4 p.m. And I have Darren Shady on Monday at 3 p.m. Uh, Darren is a guy I grew up with who is a, like a legit Fast and Furious guy. He wins awards for having the best drag racing car ever uh when i interview sherry at the end of the show i'll show some of, pic uh, some of his pictures and i've happened uh like i went to kindergarten with him went uh, went to uh all through grade school with him and uh yeah 
just the craziest uh never would have guessed it he seemed more like a scientist kind of guy when he was actually maybe he does that as a day job but uh yeah darren shady um will be with us on monday and we will see you next time on black Bolt. thanks everybody black Black, 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 The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.